Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn, Opelika, the surrounding areas. I'm Brooks Childress. Filling in for J.J. Jackson, temporarily. He will be here shortly. I'm joined in studio by Brant Daughtry. As I said, J.J. will be here shortly. This is Sports Call on a Thursday. Welcome in. Thursday edition, October 27th. October winding the days down here in the 10th month of the year as we head steam toward uh, November and December and the end of the year. And then before you know it, 2023 will be here. But right now we're focused on events happening Within the last 24 hours, without 48 hours, and Sports Call is on the air on a Thursday. I'm Brooks Childress. Brant Daughtry, as I said, in studio. we got a great show for you coming up this afternoon. We'll get to our birthdays in sports a little bit here in just a little bit. Uh, 5.50 this afternoon, we'll close out the show with the Nightly TV Guide. In between there, we'll have lots of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally. Toll-free, 888-9-TIGER-9 is how you can get on there. We look forward to hearing from you guys early often this afternoon uh and we'll also be using that auburn bank phone line to talk to several exciting guests today at four o'clock coming up at the top of the second hour we will talk to connor o'gara from saturday down south and saturday tradition we've uh we've been talking to him a lot this football season really really uh knowledgeable guy writes about the sec writes about the big 10 uh has a podcast out there about the sec and it's uh it's always informative to get connor o'gara on and then of course 5 15 we'll have our good friend zach blackerby from locked on auburn will join us on the show and break down everything that you need to know heading into this weekend's matchup from the auburn tigers versus the arkansas razorbacks on the football field as the auburn tigers return from the bye week off of a loss to Ole Miss uh, before the bye week, had a week to get healed up, and now you get set to take on Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Fire up the jukebox is hopefully set in the Auburn locker room, not in the Arkansas locker room after Saturday's game. But as I said, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, J.J. Jackson, handling some company business. Give him the T-shirt for right now. We'll take it back from him in just a few minutes when he is in the studio. But Brant... Thursday, how are you doing today? It is indeed a Thursday. I woke up this morning and thought it was Friday, so uh, not as good as I was this morning. Isn't that the worst feeling? Yeah, absolutely it is. But, you know, I'm doing okay, Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, Like you said, we we have football this week. We don't have to speculate. We can actually just talk about football, Um, which, uh, unfortunately, it just... Things have not been going wonderful around the Auburn football program uh, as of recent, but, you know, we'll we'll get into that. I'm sure callers will talk about that, but, yeah, absolutely... um, it, it is a good day. It is a good day to talk about football, a good day to talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks, a, a good team, if not a great team. Um, they struggle in some areas. They excel in others. They know what they're good at, and they do a lot of it. So uh, excited to talk about them. And 
you know, excited to talk about, I guess, the entire weekend of college football. We've also got football on tonight. I'm sure we'll dive into a little bit of that, touch on a little bit of that this afternoon. But you've got what, a pro what game. What is the Thursday night game tonight? Uh, it is uh, why Mr. Ryan Lavoy is not here. A, a our resident Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan and season ticket holder is on his way down to Tampa right now as the Baltimore Ravens head to Raymond yeah. James Stadium to take on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A little battle between Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. That'll be an interesting game for sure. I, I just... You know, the Buccaneers have struggled so much this season, but they have Tom Brady, so you know they can be good. They've got really talented guys. They just haven't really put it all together. And then Lamar Jackson, I mean, anytime he's in primetime, you've got to be watching that game. Anytime you have a chance to watch Lamar Jackson, it, it's worth a shot. And uh, they're they're pretty good this year, I'm not going to lie. Oh, uh, yeah. And then, of course, college football action tonight. Virginia Tech taking on number 24 NC State. I'm sure we'll talk about these games a little bit later on in the show. You've I don't got, think I've watched either of those teams at all this year. It's unfortunate. Uh, well, not for Virginia Tech. They're 2-5, and five, but well. NC State's been fine. Uh, you got some fun belt action tonight, Louisiana and Southern Miss. And then a late game tonight in the Pac-12, number 14 Utah visits Washington State. So some college Ooh. football action tonight. I'm sure we will talk about that. But... First and foremost, the Auburn Tigers are in action on Saturday against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Still, you know, we, we've had a lot of uh, animated discussions this week on the show regarding Auburn football. Uh, Brant, you were on the show yesterday. And, uh, I was not on the show yesterday. But discussions came up about uh, an article that was put out there into the into the internet worlds about Brian Harson, mm. uh, his position toward players with red shirts, and then subsequently uh, maybe you know not in reaction to that article but you know it, it's just the timing of everything that that article comes out and then within the past 24 48 hours you've had the the news of and the departure of several members of the sovereign football team into the transfer portal and it's you know we, we talked about it or the, the guys talked about it yesterday there's transfers everywhere everybody's losing transfers left and right that that's the 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 uh the environment of yeah. college football now it's the nature of the beast at this point um and then you know it, it's also as uh it was pointed out on twitter you know people a lot of people reacting to the story about uh brian harson with red shirts it was pointed out also on twitter that there's probably and it, it you know there's a lot of coaches out there that have the same position but because brian harson is on the hot seat and one of the hottest seats in the country right now it is that that point is elevated tenfold and, it, you know, if, if that someone were to come out and say, you know, this is what Nick Saban's position is, it wouldn't be as big of an issue. But because Brian Harson is on the on the uh, hot seat right now and there, you know, there's so much animosity around the Auburn, uh, the Auburn fan base right now about the, the coaching, uh, what should be done with the coaching position. This is an, something that elevates tenfold. So I want to start out today before we uh, hit our first break here in a couple minutes. Uh, what, what is your take on the, the happenings in the last 24, 48 hours around the Auburn football program? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much it exactly with, um, with, the, with the way that transfers are going out or, or guys are announcing that they're transferring, the whole redshirting situation. I mean, Brian Harson is not the only coach in college football. He's not the only coach in the SEC who's saying, if you're not going to play for me when I ask you to play for me, hit the road he's not the only guy doing that and I, personally i agree with that decision if you if guys are not part of the plan but you still want them available in case of injuries or you just want them for a specific situation then you know go if a kid comes to you and says hey i want a red shirt because i want to save you he's saying okay fine i'll keep you out but if i want you to go in are you going to be able to go in for me if they say no 
then absolutely tell them to hit the road. I think that by itself is not an issue. But like you said, it's compounded with the fact that Auburn is not winning right now. Auburn seems to have a a shallow roster that is getting shallower and shallower. Uh, Brian Harson has already lost 10 of the 18 uh, high schoolers that he signed in his first class in that transition period from Malzahn to Harson. I mean, it, this this by itself is not a big deal because, again, like you said, it's happening absolutely everywhere. But it is magnified by the fact that the tenure is just not going very well. Um, and I, I think I don't think this is Brian Harson's doom. I think he was done before this. But uh, I certainly think that this is this is just another thing. You know, I, I'm not going to harp on it by itself. I think it is just the latest in a long line of, boy, this is going pretty poorly. And I, it's it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. Every time, and it's the you know it's. And by by the way, let me finish off by no, saying this. Ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Um, we have not seen the last of kids hitting the portal. Like more kids are going to transfer yep. before the end of this season, or was, announce their intention to do so. There was, and I you know it, it it's not a you know, it was a national story for a hot second, but you don't see it blowing up one because it was a smaller school that it happened at, and two there it's the first year of a new head coach there. And so there's still some, you know, the, it's not it, it's not as blowing up as much as you would think it or as as it would if this if it happened here. But just a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I don't know if ever anybody remembers the story coming out. SMU had about five or six players that said, I'm tra- I'm want a red shirt and I'm hitting I'm going to end it with an intent to transfer. And. It was a national story for about two days, and then it settled down because Rhett Lashley's in his first year. It, it, you know, it, this is the nature of the beast, as you as you put it a little bit earlier. Uh, it's it the only reason it is a big issue right now. It seems is because of the state of everything that is going on around the Auburn football program. If this was Brian Harson's first year. You could attribute it to oh well they you know they it, these are guys that don't want to you know have be in the system here yeah. they don't want to play and, and and for the record that did happen in his first year it and did. that's that was the defense that I gave is these kids did not sign to play for Brian Harson they signed to play for Gus Malzahn and and frankly those two are on different ends of the spectrum yeah. uh, so seeing but but now like I said you're you're in year two and mm-hmm. these kids that stayed they bought into the culture shift and now they're leaving that's that's worrying. It, and I'll tell you what, there was a there's a program out there that is having mild success. Um, they with the coach that's been there for a few years, Minnesota. I know I, I always take this because I PJ Fleck I, row PJ the boat. Fleck, I follow I follow them because I love PJ Fleck and ever and, and uh, I, I love his coaching philosophy. And so I, I'm, I'm a big fan of what he what he's done in his coaching career. But following Minnesota, his first I'd say three years at um, at Minnesota. It was a revolving door, and it, it seemed if you go back and you look at those rosters, somehow they stayed young through his first. I think it was first three years there because of the culture there, and it's not a bad culture. It's just you get one, you go into a place, and you've got guys that are like, "Hey, you know, this wasn't what I signed up for. This wasn't the coach I signed up to play for, so I'm going to go." By the year two or three up there, and I'm I'm not comparing the situations. I'm saying I'm not saying that Brian Harson and PJ Fleck are the same, and this is the same situation. I'm just saying we've seen this. You know, we've seen stuff like this. Two tier two and three up there. It was guys that were recruited to come in, 
and then they're like, hey, maybe, you know, this this is a high energy, high intensity program here. Maybe it's not for me. I'm going to go find somewhere else. And so with Minnesota, you saw it was at least I, I'm fairly certain it was at least the first three years. It was pretty much a revolving door up there. And it was it just kept being young. And it was every single year you would look at the preview magazines and everything is like they've got talent on their roster, but they're so young and so inexperienced. And now that's not saying it's the same thing as Brian Harson. I just want uh, again pointing out pj fleck brian harson situations not the same but i'm just saying that these situations happen at other schools where you've got players entering the transfer portal run, you know getting out of you know moving and it's not necessarily a bad thing but as you said because of the volatility around the program it is it is elevated a little bit and you 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 know you you take it and you say oh this is you know this is just another something this it, is it's, not it good. piles on yeah it piles on and I think I mean another place it's happening is USC yeah I mean Lincoln Riley convinced a lot of kids to stay and they're leaving in the middle of the season because they're just not a part of the plan and and honestly it seems like the players that are leaving Auburn right now are, are guys who just aren't a part of the plan at least this year. Um, Zakevius Walker, he's been hurt. He didn't play that much in the one game he was healthy, and then he decided to transfer. Ad Diamond has not seen a snap since he got on since he got on campus. Um, the, the biggest question mark is Landon King, uh, and Landon King is one of those guys. We've everything we've seen from him has mm. been spectacular. We just haven't seen a lot of it, you know. And and you have to wonder what that is because I think Landon King is a super talented kid. I'm asking the question of, hey, why why is Landon King not seeing the field as much? And, you know, we, we are probably never going to get an answer to that. I'm sure Harson has his reasons. I'm sure Ike Hilliard has his reasons. And I'm sure Landon thinks that he should be on the field, and that's why he's transferring. Um, but, I mean, of course, every every kid who signs at Auburn thinks that they ought to be on the field, right? Because they've been the best everywhere they've been for their entire lives. They're used to starting every snap. They're used to playing every snap of every game. So when you have a guy that has to come in and wait his turn a little bit, the, it, then some that's why transfers happen but at the same time you've got stuff you've got Landon King who was this guy that we were told was going to be a major focus of the offense he looks so good in fall ball so good in spring ball he's this big massive whatever he's such a great player and then we just don't see him at all this season and that's so so weird because it's it's what what was Landon King supposed to be you know, was he supposed to be this dynamic wide receiver that we saw all the time? Because that's what—that's the bill of goods we were sold with Landon King, and now—and then he just didn't really see the field. I think he has what one catch this year, and it was a spectacular yeah. catch against Penn State. He looked great, but that's the only thing we've seen him with. And that's—that's that's my question for Brian Harson is what—what what happened to this kid? What, was this kid just not good enough? If he's not good enough, then why were—why were we sold that bill? Auburn football getting set to play. Arkansas this weekend. A lot of news coming around about the Auburn program. Still also, I want to remind everybody, still waiting on a uh, AD, an athletic director for the Auburn football team. When will that announcement come? It's a great question. I think as soon as that announcement comes, we'll start to get more answers about where the, uh, the future of Auburn football is as well. When we come back, birthdays and sports right after this on Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. 
Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. We've got golf on the TV right now, PGA Tour going on. I think they're in Bermuda, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look that up. Speaking of golf, this reminded me of looking up the uh, PGA Tour. Shout out to the Auburn Women's Golf yesterday. Yes, taking sir. Home the prestigious Eastlake Cup, rounding out the fall portion of their schedule. 5-0 in the matches versus SEC foes Texas A&M in that one. They had a comeback victory over Oregon the day before yesterday on Tuesday and then won the uh, won the Eastlake Cup yesterday. Shout out to uh, the Auburn women's golf team for that victory yesterday in the Eastlake Cup. I didn't, I was trying to find out if they've ever won the Eastlake Cup before. I couldn't find it anywhere on the on the press release that Auburn sent out. I couldn't find it on their web on the, the page. So uh, it'd be interesting to know if they've ever won the East Lake Cup before. It's one of the most prestigious. If you never heard of it, it is one of the most prestigious uh, tournaments in college golf. There's only four teams invited every single year. Usually, it's teams that were you know competing for a national title last year, like the Auburn women's golf team was. Auburn's men's golf was there, I think, a couple years ago, up there in Atlanta, Georgia, at the East Lake Golf Club. And so, congrats to them. Big win last night. Uh, Auburn women's soccer looking to close out the home portion of their schedule tonight at home versus arch rival Alabama. The Iron Bowl of Soccer yes, uh, is tonight over at the Auburn Soccer Complex. If you're here in town, maybe uh, you don't have anything to do tonight. Maybe you head over there and check them out. I think that gets started about 730. If you can't make it, I believe it's going to be aired on the SEC Network tonight. Yes. Auburn Golf has never won the East Lake Cup. It is only their second appearance. In 2019, they finished in second. Excellent. So, congr- so it is a first win for Auburn. Congratulations bringing the East Lake Cup back. I'm sure that's going to look good up in the facility up there at the Auburn University Club when they put that one on display. So congrats to the Auburn women's golf team. Uh, watching some of the PGA Tour action just reminded me of that. Also, you'll hear more about it on the uh, on the sports report coming up later in the show as well with our friend uh, our friend intern Drew Behenna. Yeah, will tell us about that later Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Right shout now, out to Drew. yeah, shout out to Drew. He's in the he's in the lobby listening to us, he's giving us a wave. I was wondering if he was just, he was going to turn away from his computer or if he was going to keep going and just give us a thumbs up. He turned around. Inside baseball. Uh, as we roll along here, before we go to... Radio is a visual medium. Radio. <laughs> sure. Uh, it is for us. <laughs> it, it may not be for anybody else. Before we go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, let's go to some birthdays in sports, shall we? It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports is brought to you by our good friends over at Max Credit Union. They've got, I'm looking at the map right here on the, uh, pulled up the map of Max Credit Union. MyMax.com is where you can find them. They've got locations all across East Central Alabama. You've got several locations here in the Auburn Opelika area. You've got the one over on North Gay Street, 3, 336 North Gay Street is the Auburn Downtown Branch. 
And of course, if you're in Opelika, 3021 Frederick Road over there in Opelika, the Frederick Road branch. And of course, if you're traveling to Montgomery, if you're traveling around central Alabama, I think they've got one up in Tallahassee, it looks like. You've got locations all over east central Alabama to stop by and say hi to our friends over at Max Credit Union. Visit them online at mymax.com. Birthdays and sports. Let's start out in the football world today. Turning 53 as a former NFL place kicker, John Casey. That's Casey with a K, not with a C. Uh, played four years of college football at Georgia. Drafted in the fourth Go round. Go Twags. <laughs> fourth round of the 1991 NFL draft by the Seattle Seahawks. Also played with the Panthers and the Saints. It was a PFWA All-Rookie Teamer in 1991. A Pro, pro Bowler in 1996. Second Team All-Pro in 1996 as well as well as the NFL scoring leader in 1996, John Casey, turning 53 years old today. Turning 30 today as an NFL cornerback for the Washington Commanders, William Jackson III. Played college football, started out at Trinity Valley Community College, and then went on to the University of Houston, go Cougs. A two-time second-team All-AAC, drafted in 24th overall by the Bengals in the 2016 NFL Draft. Missed his rookie season due to injury, though, in his first year in 2017. He became the second player in NFL history to return an Aaron Rodgers interception for a touchdown. How about that? William Jackson III, turning 30 years old. 30. William Jackson. Think about that. Pick-sixing Aaron Rodgers. That's got to be a good feeling. You know, unrelated, but kind of Auburn-related and also Falcons-related. And pick-six of a Hall of Famer-related. Uh, Marlon Davidson was released by the Atlanta Falcons last week, and that that makes me very sad because he's such a good player. And when he was on the field, he was pretty good. He just couldn't stay healthy. So for those who didn't know, Marlon related. Davidson no longer with the team. Related. Related, related stats. Yeah. Uh, and he got a pick six off of Tom Brady. That's what made me think. All right. All right. I was wondering where you were going with that. Yeah. Pick, pick six off of Tom Brady last year. Okay. Think- it right. made it like kind of close to halftime before the Buccaneers just kind of erupted. Moving along back to basketball now and the, uh, some NBA birthdays for you. Turning 25 today is the NBA point guard for the Chicago Bulls, Alonzo Ball. Highly touted prospect out of high school. Mr. Basketball USA in 2016 played one year of college basketball at UCLA. Let's go Bruins. He was a consensus first team All-American in 2017 and NFL or in not NFL, NCAA season assists leader in 2017. He was the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year also in 2017. Drafted second overall by the Lakers in the 2017 NBA Draft. And has played with the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Bulls. He was an NBA All-Rookie second-teamer in his first year in 2018. Lonzo Ball turning 25 years old. Turning 36 today as an NBA free agent guard, Lou Williams. Lemon Pepper Lou. Drafted out of high school in the second round legend. of the 76ers. Atlanta legend. With the uh, 45th overall pick. Has played with the 76ers, the Hawks, the Raptors, the Lakers, the Rockets, the Clippers, the three-time NBA six-man of the year. Lou Williams turning at 36 years old today. Greatest, One of the greatest stories to come out of the bubble year uh, of the NBA when he was out of the bubble and went to Atlanta for some for some wings. At, a, at, a, at an establishment. At, at an establishment. Not, not one that's... Known, known not for its wings. Known not for its wings, but for But other known things. for its wings now. Yes. Lemon Pepper Lou Williams turning 36 years old. Turning 63 years old today is an NBA head coach of the Indiana Pacers and former NBA shooting guard Rick Carlisle. 
He played four years of college basketball at Maine and Virginia, so go Black Bears and go Cavaliers. Drafted in the third round of the 1984 NBA draft by the Celtics, played with the Celtics, the the Knicks, and the Nets, stayed in the Northeast there, was an NBA champion as a player with the Celtics in 1986. He took his first head coaching job with the Pistons in 2001, also coached the Mavericks and the Pacers, NBA champion uh, coach as a 2011, NBA coach of the year in 2002, and NBA all-star game head coach in 2004, Rick Carlisle turning 63 years old. I think most notably known for his time with the Mavericks as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And then finally, turning 39 years old today as a former MLB third baseman. I can't believe he's only 39. Goodness gracious. Signed with the Braves in 2001. Made his debut with the Braves in 2006, recording a triple in his first game. Martin Prado. Also played with the D-backs, the Yankees, and the Marlins. Represented Venezuela in the 2013 and 2017 World Baseball Classics. Was an all-star in 2010. Martin Prado is only 39 years old. Can you believe that? I can't. Yeah, Mar- I remember watching Martin Prado. He was When I first got interested in the Braves, I think he was, he was the elder statesman catcher of the group so yeah I mean it, it, it does seem like Martin Prado's not a catcher and he's not a catcher he's not a he's catcher a, he's a very much a utility man okay well he that was two, a, he that played, was 2012 he so played, uh, say that, that's the correct timeline uh, he played a little bit of outfield mostly an infielder utility guy he was uh, third base but a little second he, he, they used him a lot in different different places Martin Prado who are you thinking about catcher um, Evan Gaddis? No, older than Evan Gaddis. Couldn't tell you then. Was is I I, I want to say it was like a, a dude with a Hispanic last name. That would make sense I if, you, uh, if you thought Martin Prado. Martin yeah. Prado's a utility man though. Okay. Uh, but still, really good. I I, I remember hearing. Uh, I can remember. I only went to Turner Field once in mm-hmm. my my life, but I could still remember hearing uh, the the the. PA announcer say Martin Prado, and I think it was also kept in my mind because they used that in a uh, in a Braves commercial for a few years too. So happy birthday, Martin Prado, only thirty nine years old. Also happy birthday, Rick Carlisle, Lemon Pepper, Lou Williams, Lonzo Ball, William Jackson the Third, John Casey with a K, and of course, if it's your birthday today on this October twenty seventh, happy birthday to you. Let's go ahead and hit our second break of the hour when we come back. We head to the phone lines. James from Montgomery is waiting for us. We'll get to you right after this. You're listening to Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back. Sports call on a Thursday rolling on. We had a caller. Didn't catch their name during the break. But they called in and uh, wanted uh, gave us the name. Javier Lopez is who you were thinking about. Correct. So that was the name I was looking not for. Not Martin Prado, but Javier no. Lopez was the uh, was the catcher you were. Yeah, this is a about. long time ago. All right, let me. <laughs> Twenty twelve wasn't that long ago. It's still ten years. It's, it, ten years, man. Do you how how far don't have you come me, in ten years? Don't tell me that's a long time ago. You it's were seventeen. In, in yeah, I guess ten so. years ago. Yeah, I was fourteen. Oh, don't tell me that. That makes me feel upset about <laughs> life. Dude, seventeen was a good year for me. Oh, God. 17, 17 was like the year I discovered like who I am as a person. Oh, well. It's like, I mean, I've been growing since, but that was the first year I had like, I don't want to say like awareness, but like autonomy, maybe. I don't know. I decided the person I was going to be when I was 17. Anyway, it's you, also the first learned, time I went out of the country. You learned about yourself in 17? Yeah. You know what else? You can learn about the Arkansas Razorbacks from an article that you wrote that's on the Sports Calls website right now. That was a hell of a transition, You're Brooks. Well done. right it was. Uh, Brant Daughtry, you can find the link to it on our Twitter at SportsCallAU right now, but he does that opponent preview every single week this I do. week. Arkansas Razorbacks off the bye week. Go over to uh, the Tiger.fm, check it out. It's posted on our website there. Like I said, you can also find it on Twitter right now at SportsCallAU. There's a tweet out there with the Arkansas logo, and there's a link right there that you can click on it. You can. And so it is only on Twitter. It is only on Twitter. But it, to get that link, so make sure you go and check us. You can also just out. go to again the tiger.fm. That's right. And you know where we're going to go is we're going to go to the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's do it. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine is how you get on the Auburn Bank phone line. All of our sports call callers and guests join us via that phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over one hundred and ten years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner. Your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. We head to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, and we take a trip down I-85 to the state capitol, and it is... James from Montgomery. James is joining us on the phone line right now. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about this um, allegation with Brian Hartson and actually selling players that if they're not going to play for him, they have to go. I mean, he's the head coach. I mean, I mean, for, for a college head coach can't, I mean, they can, I mean, they can't tell a college football player where can they play or can't they play. I mean, that's their decision. Yeah. I mean, they do decide where they want to go play college football. That's right. You know, and then, um, on this other note about like, you know, for the, um, like for the, uh, high school, uh, students that they actually want to choose, uh, where they're actually going to play their college football at for the next four years. I've, I've actually seen this in the past and I've seen like some of these, uh, young men, uh, actually choosing the school and they had their whole entire family you know, cheering them on. I mean, it's not the family's decision. It's just one individual's decision if he wants to play for Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, Alabama, Auburn. It's his decision. He can make up his own mind of where he wants to play college football for the next four years of his life, not the family's choice. Yeah, I mean, it is his decision, but it is really good to see the uh, the family supporting him, isn't it? 
Well, yes, but I would like to see that actually being changed in the near future just to, you know, just to see without the family, you know, surrounding this one individual, just him up there by himself without the family being present. Well, James, wouldn't you want your family standing with you when you uh, signed to play at Auburn? I mean, yes, but it's, I mean, I would like to, you know, be there by myself and then I can like, you know, call them or send them I, a text I see what you're saying. And then I could just say, hey, I've, I've committed myself for four years straight to Auburn and I want to play with, uh, you know, Deion Sanders and actually make Auburn win a national championship, you know, and that's in my mindset as well. Okay, so you you want to call them up there after you made your decision? Yes. Okay. And it's the, it's the same thing goes for the NFL. I mean, once you once they actually go through the NFL draft, they have to like I've seen a lot of um, I don't know what they call them. I guess they call them draftees in the NFL. I've yeah. seen you know a lot of people they have their cell phones and then the first call that they get. It's from the head coach, and they are like, what am I going to say? You know, what will this coach think of me being a free agent for their team? What will I do next to step up to make that team uh, look a little bit better? Yeah, you know, you, when you're sitting in that draft room, it's always great to get a head, uh, the call from the GM and head coach and get to, you know, say, you know, the, the players, I'm sure they're saying, you know, can't wait to get out there and work with you, coach. And so I'm sure and the players or the coaches are all excited about it, too. Yeah, and I've actually seen, you know, over the years that I've been an Auburn fan, I've seen so many, um, like, so many, so many uh, high school students actually come to Auburn um, when they actually get a chance to, you know, take in the sights and the sounds of Auburn Saturday and what it really uh, turns down to as being an Auburn fan, it's, it's just when you actually walk out of that tunnel in Jordan-Hare Stadium, you're looking at probably 87,000. And I don't know how many people pack that stadium every Saturday if I said that number correctly yeah it, over eighty-seven thousand fans in jordan hare stadium almost every saturday and so that that must be a great great feeling to walk out that tunnel and hear everybody cheering for you yeah because when you're walking out of that tunnel you're you know you're walking out on that on that iconic field that so many great legends have have actually made so many uh historic moment, memorable uh moments through the years I mean, it, it's it's an amazing feeling, you know, for for anybody to actually step out there and and um, you know leave a leave a huge uh, legacy behind for the next um, few Auburn Tigers that might want to come along and uh, edge their name in glory. Absolutely. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I know uh, with the World Series, um, I'm actually going to be seeing uh, media day for the Houston Astros. And um, tomorrow I will be uh, watching my uh, Philadelphia Phillies um, media day and seeing what we're actually going to be doing on um, for the Philadelphia Phillies and seeing if we're actually going to win, if my team is going to win the World Series since 2009 as well. Well, James, I thought your team was the Texas Rangers. 
Well, I am um, a huge Texas Rangers fan at heart, but, you know, with the World Series, um, I have to, you know, I, I was very heartbroken that my team didn't make it to the World Series, but I think we might make it next year in 2023. Yeah, that, that sounds like a good deal. Uh, have you seen the new manager for Texas? Do you, uh, do you like your new manager hire? Uh, yes, we actually do. I actually do like the new manager for my Texas Rangers, and um, I'm hoping he would uh, do a lot of great things for us uh, this coming up, well, next uh, summer as well. Yeah, he won a World Series when he was at uh, when he was at San Francisco. Okay, so I think that that would uh, fit the bill for for the Texas Rangers, and I'm hoping that we'll win the World Series in 2023, and um, maybe hosting the World Series in um, Arlington, Texas, as well. Yeah, that'd be fun for the Texas Rangers to get back to the World Series with Bruce Bochy as the uh, the manager there. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I'm actually going to be watching uh, some college football. And I have uh, North Carolina State actually a favorite to win against Virginia. So I think that's going to be a really uh, good game on Thursday night. I haven't seen a Thursday night game in college football for the past two years since I've been a college football fan. So this will be my first time ever uh, getting a chance to see it on Thursday night. And with Thursday night football, with um, uh, I think is. Ryan, if I'm saying his name correctly. You are saying his name correctly. Yes, Ryan LaVoy. I know he's in uh, Tampa, so I do have his Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, beating Lamar Jackson. So I'm actually hoping that they will win. And um, I've got a great uh, wide receiver from his uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, roster uh, team that I've got on my fantasy league. Well, who is it? Um, I think... Let me see. Um, I'll get that for you all. All right. Um, let me see. Not very good. Um, I think it is Bradshaw Peters Peterman. Okay, Brashad Peterman. Yes. So I do have him actually in my uh, fantasy lineup. So I'm hoping he would give me some fantasy points today as well. And I'm actually going to be watching my Dallas Mavericks take on uh, the Brooklyn Nets. So I'm hoping that we'll win uh, tonight's game as well. You, you got a good lineup for fantasy this week? Um, everything is locked in uh, this week. So um, I'm hoping I'll win this Sunday and uh, seeing if I can make it to the playoffs as well. Who's your best player this week? Um, I would have to say my best player would be Michael Gallup. He's been doing really good for me. And um, Dak Prescott, he's doing really good. He's putting up uh, huge numbers. So I'm just going to keep him in and uh, seeing what he's going to do for me. All right. Well, that sounds like a good good lineup right there. And then, like you said, your Dallas Mavericks take on the Brooklyn Nets. Both both the uh, the Mavericks and the Nets looking for their second win of the year. You think your Mavericks got it in it to get it tonight? Um, yes, we actually do have a, a huge chance of winning it tonight on the road in Brooklyn. So I know Luka Doncic, he's been, um, he's been throwing a lot of good numbers and I think he's, he's gonna, he's gonna really, um, bring, bring the heat tonight as well. Yeah, last time out, y'all lost to the Pelicans 113 to 111, and uh, Luca had 37 points for it for the Mavericks. That was a good performance, but they lost to the Pelicans, so try to bounce back tonight, right? Yeah, so we have to bounce back, and we just got to take one game at a time as well. 
And then with my Dallas Stars, um, I think we play the uh, Canadians, if I'm saying that right. Uh, it looks like your next game is tonight against the Capitals. Yeah, so we'll go up to Washington. So I think this is going to be a huge um, test for us. We haven't played the uh, Washington Capitals in over uh, a, a year and a half. So I think, um, I, I mean, this this is actually going to test uh, the Dallas Stars um, season. So I know they're actually looking towards to actually getting to the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs as well. If the playoffs were today as well. Yeah, the Stars are sitting there at 4-2-1 and one right now on the season. They've lost their last two times out. They lost Tuesday night to the Bruins 3-1. to one. They lost on Monday to the Senators 4-2. to two. So you are trying to bounce back and, and get a big win tonight versus the Washington Capitals. So good luck to your Dallas Stars tonight. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I actually have um, with Halloween right around the corner. Yeah, that's right. I Halloween have, joke. Yes, I actually do have it. Okay. Um, what is a skeleton's favorite food to eat before Halloween? What is a skeleton's favorite food to eat before Halloween? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What is it? Uh, Brent, Brent, do you know? have any guesses? I, I've got nothing. I'm what lost. Is, what is it, James? It is spare ribs. <laughs> that's funny that's a good one yeah i've been coming up with that one as well and you know i know y'all said about halloween candy um, my favorite uh number one halloween candy that i like is um reese's i love the reese's pieces they're really nice and um i've been eating them for a long time as well so you're not just a reese's guy you're a reese's pieces guy Mm-hmm. That's a, I actually, I actually love Reese's Pieces as well. So I always um, get those every time when I'm actually doing a movie night. Yeah, James, I, I've always wanted to ask, what are your thoughts on candy corn? Because uh, everybody that I know hates candy corn, but I love it. Um, oh man, <laughs> candy corn is something that I really, really like um, as a kid uh, growing up. And um, it's very it's it's a it's a very nice good Halloween candy to eat as well. All right, so if you're if you're going out trick or treating, you're wanting you're you're trying to get some Reese's pieces. You're trying to get some candy corn. Is there another another candy you really like? I would have to say I would actually go and get. Snickers. Okay, Snickers. That's a good one. You get a, some chocolate in there. You get some caramel. You got some peanuts in there. That's a good one. So Reese's Pieces, candy corn, and Snickers. So if you're coming trick-or-treating this Halloween, that's what people need to stock up on for you. Yes, as well. And then one of my favorite candies that I actually like is uh, Milky Way. Okay. I love Milky Way. Oh, I love I a Milky love Way. It. I love a Milky Way, too. I love it. Awesome, though. That's some good candy choices. That was a funny, funny joke, James. And then uh, we'll we'll have to let you go and get you back on the show tomorrow. Maybe you'll have another Halloween joke for us tomorrow. Um, I sure would have one uh, for you all tomorrow. And uh, War Eagle. War Eagle, James. That was James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341. Locally, toll-free, 888 
nine tiger nine is how you get on the auburn bank phone line as we are rounding out the first hour of the program coming up here at the top of the second hour we will have a conversation with our good friend connor connor o'gara from saturday down south and saturday tradition also the host of the saturday the sds podcast saturday down south podcast he is host of that one. Check that out, and we'll talk to him right after this break. Brant, you, you said you enjoy a good a Milky Way. Is that your favorite Halloween candy? That's an interesting question because I love, I love candy. Honestly, yeah. like I'll, I mean, I'll be flat out, like I love sugary stuff far too much. Um, I mean, it depends on the mood. I, you, Milk, Milky Way is—it's never a bad time for a Milky Way. If I gave you the choice between a chocolate candy or a fruity candy, which are you choosing? Are you a chocolate oh. guy or are you a fruity, fruity guy? Depends not, on not the day. guy, but nine, no. <laughs> are you a, a fruity candy guy? Nine, nine times out of ten, I'm going to go chocolate, but there okay. are times I enjoy a good fruit snack. All right. Are you Starburst, Skittles? Where are we going? Oh, any any like fruity snack? Okay. Uh, Skittle, Skittles. Skittles? Skittles is probably my go-to with that. I'm I gonna, love a good uh, gummy worm. I was going to say. I love keep, a good like sour gummy worm. I'm going to keep going down this because we only have 10 seconds left. Right. Are, you a, <laughs> are you a traditional Skittles or are you like one of the, some of the variation flavors? I love the variations, man. I they I don't think they make them anymore, but sour Skittles, I used to put holes in my cheek sucking on those things. Oh, They're sour Skittles. They're so good. Sour Skittles are still out there. They're are they? Still, yeah. We'll, I haven't we'll had them in pack. forever. And like I'm, my mouth is watering just thinking of we'll, them right now. We'll have to get you a pack. I like Skittles. Tropical Skittles. Those are those are bangers. Are some bangers. Good, some good wildberry Skittles are also really good. That concludes the first hour of the program. We've talked candy. We've talked football. We've talked basketball. We've talked all things. We'll keep I'm sure talking. we'll do more of that. Absolutely. As we uh, <laughs> go through this episode of Sports Call, Thursday edition of Sports Call, Connor O'Gara on the other side of this break that also features our good friend Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network with your Auburn Sports Today. We'll be right back with two more hours of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. On this Thursday, we hope that you're doing well and enjoyed the first hour of our program. Still two left to go. A reminder, tonight we've got Tiger Talk at Baumhauer's Victory Grill here within the Auburn Sports Network. Brian Harson and Interim Director of Athletics Rich McGlynn will be on the program live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill if you want to stop by and say hello to them. What we want to do right now is continue the fun by bringing on one of our good friends. It's Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South, a frequent guest here on the program. He joins us 
now on the Auburn Bank phone line. Connor, how are things going for you today on this Thursday, my friend? Uh, gentlemen, things are going well. You know, I, I've been saying for the last few weeks that they're not going as well for me as they are, let's say, Tennessee fans. <laughs> but for like the previous 20 years, I think I've had them beat in that argument. Talk to me about exactly. You really have had them beat in that argument. So let's go back to that game then. The third Saturday in October, what were you feeling? What were you just being able to watch all of that unfold? The fact that Tennessee actually was able to defeat Nick Saban in a football game. Boy, that was strange. It really was. And I think there was that moment where Dallas Turner picks up the football, waltzes into the end zone, where all of us watching just kind of said ah that was fun yeah too bad you know that would have been a cool thing to kind of see Tennessee fight back and uh, see the craziness that would have unfolded in Knoxville like I don't have a dog in the fight but that just would have been cool and everybody you know I I realize I'm preaching to the choir here but there's a certain interest level when Alabama's on the ropes and to see Hendon Hooker respond the way that he did to see that defense even respond the way that they did to kind of get that underrated stop late in that game where in the past defense actually played very good Ben, but don't break defense. To me, it's a testament to Josh Heupel. And we wondered about if he was going to be this guy who was going to be able to deal with the ebbs and flows of that job, which are extremely unique. And Auburn fans know a thing or two about uh, a coach having to deal with that, ride the highs and, and be able to kind of get you through those lows. And, and Josh Heupel in year two to come off with that victory, to me, Man, I, I just can't say enough good things about him. I think he's the national coach of the year right now. We'll kind of wait and see what plays out for this Tennessee team. But I said coming into the year that I thought they were going to be Georgia. So that is only – I think we've, we've only seen evidence these last two months that have confirmed that they're going to have a really good chance against the Dogs. So it's been a fun year uh, for those on Rocky Top and one that I'm sure was uh, a very long time to make. You set me up for the next talking point there with that big game coming up against Georgia for Tennessee. Nine days away from that one taking place. I was going to ask you, hey, you think Tennessee can actually win this football game nine days out? What would your prediction be? So I would imagine that you're still singing Rocky Top for next Saturday. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. I, I just I've been blown away by what this offense has been able to do without Cedric Tillman because. For my money, he was one of the three or four best receivers, not just in the SEC, but in all of college football coming into this year. And I said as recently as the LSU game, man, they're really going to miss him. And they, they need that guy on the outside that can take the top off the defense. And then Jalen Hyatt has happened. And what he's been doing has just been Bolitnikoff worthy It's been really special. And obviously everybody knows about Hendon Hooker, the, the soon-to-be 25-year-old quarterback has just been everything that Tennessee fans could have hoped for and more. And that, that scheme is working. And Josh Heupel and Alex Golish deserve a lot of credit for being able to tap into the right personnel and make that thing go. But, yeah, I think Tennessee has the, the, the weapons on the outside to kind of exploit Georgia and a team that we've seen. If you're going to beat them, you got to be able to go over the top. You're not going to beat them with some air raid offense where you're trying to dink and dunk your way down the field. you got to be willing to take those chances. We saw that with Tennessee against Alabama. And I think we see it again next week with Tennessee against Georgia. Connor, I'm going to come back to this weekend because there's a decent slate of games coming up this weekend. But since we're talking about that Georgia-Tennessee weekend, what are your thoughts on basically having a, you know, not the not the end-all, be-all, but what it feels like the SEC East championship game versus the SEC West deciding game with LSU and Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee? 
it's kind of crazy the way that this has played out. And all of a sudden for Georgia, Florida is the team that they can't afford to sleep on. I mean, that's, that's how crazy things have changed, how much things have changed in these last two years. But it, it's setting up for a great slate. And on the LSU side, nobody in their right mind would have said in the middle of the third quarter of that Florida State game, hey, you realize like when you guys host Alabama – it's actually going to be a, a monumental game for the SEC West, and it's kind of turning into an SEC West title game of sorts. Nobody would have predicted that. And I think that Brian Kelly deserves a lot of credit because he had a team that easily could have fallen apart at the seams. He had 39 scholarship players in that bowl game. They lost 10 guys to the NFL draft, and they did it with the transfer portal, and they did it by keeping some of those key pieces from the previous regime together and engaged. And even though Kayshawn Booty still has not had the year that they hoped he'd have, he's still out there. And he was still the most targeted player in that game last week where they just stormed back against the top 10 Ole Miss team. So, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating weekend of football next weekend. It feels like this weekend is the appetizer for us. Yeah, and now I want to bring it back to this weekend. Is and you mentioned it there a little uh, just in that last answer. But Georgia's going down to Jacksonville to take on the Florida Gators, as it you know it traditionally has been. Although there's there's some headlines out there that it may be moving here in the near future. But as for right now, it is still in Jacksonville. And like you said, this is a team that uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. That on paper you say, yeah, Georgia's got this, but it's a team that you can't afford to sleep on them. Yeah, you know, and that's that's what I wonder about because. Look at the, re- the the five recent games in this rivalry. I think Florida has always had at least one reason to play tight. And whether that was 2017 when Jim McElwain is on the way out, last year where Dan Mullen was on the way out, and then the three games in between that where we talk about division titles, that was kind of a division championship game. And there was always that reason to think that one mistake could either cost your head coach his job or cost your team a chance at going to Atlanta. And they don't have that this year. They don't. And I realize this game always has high stakes, and it absolutely does for Georgia, but I wonder how that impacts the Florida side. And I wonder if that allows Anthony Richardson to play a little bit loose, if that defense plays like a team that has nothing to lose, and we don't really worry about their lack of depth that they have. I wonder if that really impacts them in this game, because on paper it sets up well for Georgia. That's why this spread is 22 points. The biggest in spreads have been tracked, dating back to 1995. But I I think that this game comes down to whether or not Florida can kind of play loose and Anthony Richardson has to avoid the catastrophic mistakes that he made in this game last year for Florida to have a chance. And then I want to go back to another team we just talked about a moment ago, Tennessee Volunteers. You know, we, we hear coaches all the time. We, you know, we, we talk in the media about you can't overlook this opponent. Well, you know, in, in our questions here, we kind of did just overlook an opponent because we went to that Georgia-Tennessee game. But Tennessee's got a tough test this coming Saturday against Kentucky. Is, is this a team that Tennessee should be worried about? Yes. Dangerous matchup. Really dangerous because – This is a Kentucky team that can do a lot of similar things that Tennessee can. And I'm not saying that they're as explosive, but they have three legitimate stud receivers who can hit that home run play. They have an NFL quarterback. They have a scheme that has some really good balance to it as well. And from a defensive standpoint, this is the best pass defense that Tennessee has faced. I mean, they are, Tennessee is, has run into some really, you know, favorable matchups. Obviously, the Alabama matchup, they deserve so much credit for what they did to a Nick Saban secondary, but this, this Kentucky pass defense is no joke. And we saw that against Mississippi State, what they were able to do against Will Rogers. Obviously, Tennessee's going to try and do some different things to them, 
But I think it's tricky. I would not be surprised if Kentucky has a fourth-quarter lead. Tennessee's got to rally back. And if this game was decided by, like, three points, and Tennessee is just lucky to survive this one, I'm surprised the spread is at 12 points. And I realize that Kentucky hasn't beat an AP top-five team on the road since the Jimmy Carter administration, but I still think that Kentucky's going to have a chance to make this a 60-minute game. And, Connor, now I want to bring it up back over to the SEC West. Uh, you've got a couple teams, and one of them, and I'm, we're going to start trending a little bit toward uh, Auburn with some of our questions here, but uh, there's a couple coaches in the SEC West that have just, their teams have not performed up to what you would think they should this year. That's Jimbo Fisher, Brian Harson. I know y'all talked about this on your podcast earlier today, and I want to ask you a question. Who do you think has a better chance of turning this season uh, more positively, Jimbo or Brian? Harson, man, that's a, a scene out of the above. Uh, <laughs> you guys, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I would not be putting a lot of faith in either of these coaches, just because. And, and that, that's a cop out answer. So I'll, I'll take Auburn as the answer. I understand, you know, who's listening to this, um, but I'll, I'll say Auburn just because at least you have a, a Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, one-two punch that you saw some good things from in that old Miss game. And Robbie Ashford, as frustrating as he has been at times, you kind of wonder, all right, maybe he's turning the corner a little bit. I think Harvard would have really benefited from not having that bye week. That was a poorly timed bye week, the way that the schedule set up for them, with the things that they finally did well in the second half of that game. So there's a little bit more promise there. The problem, of course, is Auburn can't stop the run to save its life. And this will lead us into the Arkansas game here. But I, I worry about that moving forward. And I worry about a very thin defensive front, not having those guys to be able to rotate in and out. You know, Derek Hall and Owen Papo, these guys that have just been worn thin with the, the, the task that they've been asked to do. So I think that, that Auburn has a better chance of turning it around than an A&M team that has eight consecutive games in which they have failed to hit 25 points against Power 5 competition. So, yeah, neither neither fan base is probably feeling very good about the, the immediate and long-term future of their programs. Connor O'Gara is here with us on Sports Call today. You can follow him on Twitter, at CJ O'Gara. So, as we talk about this Auburn football team coming off of the bye week, Arkansas now on the schedule for the Tigers, a home game inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. What do Auburn fans need to know about this Arkansas squad? How do you see this one playing out? I think this team is uh, similar to last year in that the way that they're going to try and beat you is mainly with that ground attack. K.J. Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, they have been one of the better one-two punches in all of college football. When they're rolling like they were before the bye against BYU, it is fun to watch. Now, the question that I have about this Arkansas offense is the passing game. We finally saw K.J. work the middle of the field and trust those receivers and be able to make some plays with his arm in the way that he needs to to play at a high level. And that's what can kind of change this defense. Now, I think he could be one-dimensional against Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss showed that, 448 rushing yards, 69 carries, three different guys go over 100 yards. That says you can be one-dimensional. But I I think that Arkansas has so many issues on the back end that if I'm Robbie Ashford, I'm taking some chances. I'm letting it fly. I'm not just going to settle for the check down every single time. I'm going to trust that I can maybe bust one or two big plays in the passing game and know that I need to keep my eyes upfield because that's where they have their bust. And if you can, you know, it's one thing to run away from a Drew Sanders or something like that, but you've got to be able to take some chances downfield. That's where they have really struggled after the Jalen Catalan injury in the season opener. 
And then, Connor, looking at, you know, the, you got the Arkansas game this weekend, then the Tigers go on the road to Mississippi State, host uh, Texas A&M, host West Kentucky, and then the Iron Bowl to finish out the year. When you look at this, uh, this, this slate of games, Brian Harson was asked the same question earlier in the week, so I want to ask you, uh, and you, you kind of went, we kind of went there with the, the Jimbo Fisher, but what is your prediction for how Auburn finishes the season? I had a feeling that question was coming, yeah. and I'm look, um, man, this one is pivotal. This one is so pivotal for for bowl eligibility because if I'm predicting today, I'm saying five and seven because I got Arkansas winning this football game because I don't think they win that game at Mississippi State. I know they've fallen on some hard times, but I still think that's a good football team, and the Zach Arnett defense is really solid and kind of underappreciated. You feel good about their chances against Western Kentucky. But the A&M one is the great unknown, man. Like, that, that to me is, is a game in which you, you'll see, all right, who has more guys that have announced that they're going to enter the transfer portal? That, that's what that's going to come down to. It's so hard to break that game down because I look at that the schedule the way that it sets up right now, and I say Mississippi State, loss. Alabama lost, and you know that you need to go three and two just to reach bowl eligibility. That makes that Arkansas game this weekend so pivotal moving forward. But yeah, I mean, we'll kind of wait and see the way that this plays out with guys entering the transfer portal. That's the difference between the year 2022 as opposed to the year 2019 with how these things can fall apart for teams down the stretch. It just feels like we're tr- uh, trending in a direction and it's felt this way for quite some time. It's no secret that there could be a coaching change uh, coming for the Auburn Tigers at the conclusion of the season, Connor. And so two years, the tenure for Brian Harson uh, leading the Auburn program. We were looking at it and, and kind of going through recent SEC head coaches in memory and we're, we're pretty certain the last SEC head coach that only lasted two years on the oh, job out of spot was uh, our dear Joe Moorhead. I know it. You know what? We always find a way to bring them up, man. I, I appreciate that. I, you know, I stand for my guy. I do. <laughs> I only bring them up in the best possible context. You know, it, it's, it's worth remembering. Everybody was watching Syracuse last weekend, that game against Clemson. Jared Schrader. Joe Moorhead. Product. That's right. I'm just saying. Like, people forget that. It was like 10 years ago, but <laughs> he is indeed a Joe Moorhead product. Look, I think that, you know, you could look at that in two different ways. Like, Chad Morris as well, a two year guy, not even a two year guy, technically, because they fired him before that. But I, I look at, at, at that as kind of like if you, if you have a hard and fast rule, you're probably wrong about it because look at Arkansas. What if Arkansas had kept on to Chad Morris for another two years? And said, ah, you know what, we need to give him four years. He inherited kind of a rough situation. It's the SEC West. No, 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 no. Cut bait if the guy isn't right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Now, with my guy Joe Moorhead, they were way too quick. And that, that to me, was a raw deal that he got. He's going to be back on top coaching a Power 5 program in due time. But, yeah, the Brian Harson situation, it looks like it's gone from bad to worse. And the issue is they don't have any sort of answers in sight. And I think that's what ultimately it is on doing. Let's get you out of here, Connor. But before you go, I'm, I'm going to set you up. for. Do you have any controversial Halloween takes that you want to fire off and then we'll let you get out of here before you uh, feel the backlash from it? Yes, I do. Um, so I don't think that anybody actually gets the king size or full size candy bars. I don't think anybody gets them. I, I think people talk about this friend that got them from this specific house, but I need firsthand accounts of you getting that full size Snickers bar. I need that. Otherwise, I'm of the belief 
that this isn't really a thing. This is just a thing that your kid, you know, an eight-year-old kid when you're, you know, in second grade or whatever, and that kid, Andrew, who's in your class that brags about everything, he's going to one-up you all the time. I think he just brings this up to make himself feel better, and nobody actually does this. It's not a real thing. I would love to experience it. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But I have never experienced it, and it's only been hearsay. I don't think the full-size candy bar thing for trick-or-treat really exists. (laughs) Uh, Get out of here before it gets too crazy, man. That was exactly what we were looking for. Connor, thanks so much for the time, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. (laughs) All right, that's our pal, Connor O'Gara. He might be on to something, you know? I I don't have many full-size candy bar that kind of sounded uh, personal it yeah did. it really yeah, did that, there was trauma involved uh, in you know you did he go generic name with andrew i don't think so i don't think so <laughs> i think there was a second grade <laughs> classmate named andrew specifically yeah. i'm trying to remember if i remembering if i ever like as a trick-or-treater got a king-size candy bar i don't think i did i sure did i got i got like the regular and the minis i don't think i ever got the big ones yeah i sure didn't boy oh boy all right let's take our next time out our show continues here in a moment Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, Brooks Childress in the studio hanging out with you right now. We've got Brant Daughtry with us as well. It's been a fun show so far. Our thanks again to Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Really good insight. I love his podcast that he's got. Uh, our pal Chris Storing from the SEC Network was featured on it this week. You could find the Saturday Down South podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, he's always good for takes, Brooks. So that's why I said, hey, tell me something controversial about Halloween and get out of here. Again. I didn't know if he'd be prepared for that, but he nailed it. Sounded Absolutely personal. nailed it. Per- sounded like it was uh, some personal backstory there. Maybe we need to ask him that next time he comes on, if it was, uh, if that was driven in some sort of, you know, childhood trauma there. Right. But <laughs> I, I agree with this take. Like, I never got a king-size candy yeah. bar. It was always fun size for yeah. me. Yeah. I always hand out the fun size Snickers. I still, you know, you got go, some liars out there when I, it comes I, to. I still go to the grocery store to get Halloween candy, and right. I'm never going for the the. I see the full size candy bar sitting to the side, right? But I'm always like, well, you got the the bag over here with all the all the variety packs. No denying so I'm that. Get that. No denying that. Brooks, let's get some phone calls in here. All right. All right. Here we go. To the phone lines we go. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one. Jeff from Columbus. There he is. Jeff from Columbus is now on the show with us. Hi, Jeff. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Quite well. How are you? Good, good. Hey, man, I was I, I swore I wasn't going to call in. I was going to let the Auburn fans, uh, you know, waller in misery by themselves. But y'all sucked me in. You sucked me in. But it's the Halloween question. Let me tell you. Tell we me. We're talking about it today. We, I... I lived on a military base. At one time, they only allowed certain, you know, 
they would uh, select it. You had to have a, have a military ID to get onto it. So at that time, my father bought full-size candy bars, right? Because it's it's not that big a base, and there's not that many kids. Ever since then, I've wanted to do that. I am the biggest Halloween junkie. I can't stand, stand a scary movie. I don't think like things that pop out. I go hunting, and if a if a, a turkey comes out of the trees, I'm laying on the ground. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is how scared I am. But I am a Halloween junkie. I will be off Monday. My house is already decorated. <laughs> I live in a subdivision that has two other subdivisions right around it. Right. People come. I spend $200 a year. Ooh. Easy. On Halloween candy. I love every minute of it. And that's what I was telling my friend. I go, I want to be the guy that hands out the big candy bars. <laughs> okay, let me tell you this. I also am the grocery shopping guy in my family. I look for the deals. My wife won't look for the deals. I'm also cheap. So I do the grocery shopping. I'm sitting there at the checkout for years. Those big candy bars that we got at Christmas were 59 cents. They, then they went to 78, 79 cents. The 99 cents, I swore I wouldn't buy one. I left Publix just when I got in the car. Two candy bars cost $5. My goodness. Two Hershey's candy bars cost $5. So I, I will not be that guy handing out the full-size candy bars because I guarantee you we will have four to 500 kids come through here. Now, they may circle back on you. Were you a circle backer? No, I was... Did you ever go... I was... Uh, you never went back to the same house? I was a kid that got put in the back of mom's minivan, and we drove around to all the relatives in the area and trick-or-treated. We didn't get dropped off in a in a subdivision. Oh. Oh, my gosh. They, we have two policemen at our on our street to in the subdivision to direct traffic. Wow. <laughs> so, but... But but it I love it. But now oh, and I've got his answer. I've got his answer. The people that do hand out the full size candy bars, people open their bags. I look in there. I want to make sure I'm giving them enough and stuff. Last year, everybody was coming by. I go, where'd you get that full size candy? Where'd you get that Hershey's bar? They say, don't take my Hershey's bar. And I go, no. Where'd you get it? They said the house down there at the intersection. And I kept seeing them coming. I go, dang, every kid. So I put my daughter in charge. Okay, don't give them too much. Don't give them too little. But I'm going to go find out about these candy bars. It was a, the ladies there, church. They had a fundraiser to supply candy for the neighborhood because we are so overrun with uh, children. And she wanted to make sure they all had a good time. So the church sponsored a fundraiser to raise enough money for her to hand out full-size candy bars wow i was gonna that was gonna be my follow-up answer or question for you uh jeff is if you ever looked in the bags to see if anybody else was handing Um, out the full candy bars that was that's the only one i've seen in years since i we did it what 15 20 years ago that's the first full-size candy bar i've seen but this still goes back to this still goes back to she didn't have that herself the church helped her get Uh the full-size candy bars Uh 
you've got to get a corporate sponsor <laughs> to, 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 to be a full-size candy bar hander-outer. I'm telling you. Oh, and this is great. I work hard, but I don't... I don't work that hard. Maybe we but could hey, have a Jeff's I, house sponsored by Sports Call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, we could do it. We could do it. You all are welcome. I still got to. Hey, you can come by and pick that bacon flavored popcorn. Oh yeah. yeah, we're gonna have that. I feel terrible about that. I used to always have popcorn out for the kids and stuff. And man, uh, people know they can't have any. No, they can't. Ha- you know, you feel like you're. You know, it's sad that, you know, we're having to go through all these tough times where you can't be nice, but some people ruin it for everybody. You know what I'm saying? So, no kidding. But we'll have, a, we'll have a good time. I'll send you some pictures, okay? Sounds good. And, we look uh, forward to it. We look forward to right. it. We'll talk to you soon, Jeff. All right, bye now. All right, that's a Jeff from Columbus joining us there on the program. I'll tell you what, I'm circling back to Jeff's house. We need to. We definitely need to. This has been... I, uh, I may go trick-or-treating this year and just go to Jeff's this house. This is way greater than I thought the conversation was going to go. And we're how, still, what, four days from Halloween? Right. Think still about, ways to go. Think about what we can get to A little bit of a set up. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, thanks to Connor O'Gara for lighting the phone lines yeah. up because people want to. That's why I say get out of here, Connor, before it gets way too crazy. Get to safety. Uh, let's keep these Halloween takes coming. 334-887-3401 or anything else you want to talk about in the wide world of sports as we go back to the phone lines. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve has joined us on the program. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon, everybody. Hello, sir. Hey, I enjoyed the comments from Connor, and then Jeff was hilarious. I got to tell you, you know, uh, it's a myth. It's an urban myth. Uh, the regular size candy bars no longer exist, except in one place. Where's that? And that's your local theater. They have somehow <laughs> uh, taken uh, all these regular size candy bars, and they have them on sale there for 10 bucks each. That's why you can't find them. <laughs> That's how overpriced they are. That's why I can't find them. Okay, on a more serious note, guys, uh, I just got back from watching Halloween Ends. Okay. And after seeing that, uh, I've decided that watching this Auburn team season is, to me, much more scarier than watching Halloween Ends uh, finale. So uh, that's my take on it. Did you get a chance to read Ryan's review, Steve? No, I have not. We'll have to send it over to you so you can uh, see if you uh, – and he'll be back on the show tomorrow. I was so. about to say, I think Ryan would agree with you yeah. on that point. Ryan is currently in Tampa Bay because the Buccaneers play tonight against the Ravens, but he'll be back tomorrow. Oh, we'll yeah, talk that's a little, right. Yeah, we'll is talk about Halloween Facebook ends. Page? Yes, I'll send – I will send you something, Steve. I'll get it to okay. you. Okay, all right. Let's move on to the uh, – what I call the, the, the statistical facts that just, you know uh, – Question: you know, Is this really coincidence or is it causation? This comes from the Wall Street Journal, guys, and it says when Philadelphia baseball teams do well in a pattern that has held for a century, the financial markets strike out. I didn't know this, and it started in 1929 when the Phillies were actually called the Philadelphia Athletics. Their championship resulted in the stock crash and the Great Depression. And in 1980, the Phillies won their first World Series, and a recession came right afterwards. It lasted to 1983. And then, when the Phillies won the World Series in 2008, financial crisis again. So, 
there you have it, guys. What do you want? Do you want the Cheaters to win? Or do you want the Phillies to win and we go, according to this, into a financial uh, uh, downturn? I don't like the those, financial downturn. Yeah, so I'll those say are some it. Big yeah, those there. are huge stakes. That's a, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't like either choice. No, th- those these, aren't these good are, choices. These are bad choices because I don't want to see the cheaters win again. Yeah, it, it's like when we talked with Connor O'Gara and Steve asked him, or, or excuse me, Brooks asked him, who's more likely to turn it around, Jimbo Fisher or Brian Harson, Auburn or Texas A&M? And Connor O'Gara said, C, none of the above. <laughs> and so Phillies or Astros, Steve, I would say, C, none of the above. All right. Well, speaking of that, turning around, guys, you know, I've got, I've got to ask you, you know, is is there anyone minding the store uh, at Auburn University right now? Um, you know, has has uh, President Roberts gone fishing? Well, what's going on? Uh, you mean in regards to uh, an AD hire? An AD hire and firing Coach Harson or what? You know, um, there's n- nothing nothing's coming out. Yeah, is I mean, he still around. I mean, President President Roberts is still around, and you know, has he been seen? <laughs> I don't know if he's been seen or not, but um, well, uh, Steve, that's I think that's part of President Roberts' design. The reason stuff isn't getting out is because he doesn't want it to get out, and he's doing his due diligence to say we're not going to let stuff leak. Now, I I thought that Auburn would have an athletic director by now, and I'll be honest, like I'm like you, I'm asking questions where where is this AD hire? But uh, he's not letting stuff get out. And so, well, you know, I, th- you know I, th- I personally, I think it's a nice change of pace. No, I, I don't think it's a nice change of pace. At first, I, I did. But at this point, Brad, you know, due diligence, I've had enough of it. You know, uh, Georgia Tech made an AD uh, hire within 10 days of firing their coach, right? Well, I, yeah. I've, I've had this discussion with you before. Georgia Tech is I not know. Auburn. I know that. But it can't be that darn difficult to decide after the PV interviewed by now because, you know, he left – Green go not a not a not a week ago, not a month ago, but several months ago, right? And it needs to happen. They they need to go ahead and get this thing done. Yeah, absolutely. They need to go ahead and get this Come thing on, done. This, 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 enough's enough. But I'll let you know what we do know, at least think we know, from Mr. Philip Marshall. If you haven't already read it, I'll give you some nuggets. Here's what he says. This is as a, as of last yesterday evening. He says these are my thoughts based on chatter that I am hearing. They should not be construed as anything more than that. Number one, he says, I do not expect either Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze to be Auburn's next head coach. All right. If I had to bet on who will be Auburn's next athletic director, I'd bet on John Harwell. He's, but then he says I wouldn't bet much. I was going to say, he's been the guy that a lot of people have said is the front runner, but then you've also had a couple other names that have popped up here. Is. Yeah. All right, next. He says, I believe Auburn will have a new AD late this week or early next week. There you go. It's coming. Yeah. Right. So we, we said that last week, too. He says, I don't call for coach to be fired, but I see no path to Harson keeping his job after this season. All right. And this one was a not a very positive comment about how things are going in the athletic department. He says, things are not well in Auburn's football offices or within the Auburn football team. This was even more troubling. He said the turmoil, that was his word, inside Auburn's program is not conducive to having success down the stretch. Well, you don't have success early in the season. It's tough to believe that you're going to have success late. But turmoil, guys, have you got any intel, any sense of 
what he's referring well, to I, turmoil. Look, when things go bad, everything. When you start losing games, everything starts going wrong at once. When you start winning games, things start going right. That's what winning does for you. Winning, winning leads to more winning. Losing leads to more losing. And right now, Auburn has to stop the bleeding on, on the football field before any of this gets better. And he says this about Harson when he arrived here in his coaching philosophy. This almost reminds me, are you talking about Malzahn? He says, my feeling is that when Harson arrived at Auburn, he was intent on doing things like he did at Boise State and has, until this day, not been willing to recognize it is not going to work. That almost sounds like Malzahn, right? Wasn't he insistent on doing things his way and not changing or adjusting? Yes, but so is every coach in foot. Well, not every coach, but you've got to have some level of adaptability, and I think Brian Harson is trying. I just think it's too little too late. I also think when you, you look at Malzahn, he was willing to change some because you saw several different times where it was he called the play, you know, just, just one aspect. He called the plays, and then he brought in an offensive coordinator and said, no, they're calling the plays, and went but back to him he, calling he the plays. He revert back. He revert back. But it, it, things are going good with Lashley, he revert back. But it did show that he was willing to change a little bit. So not for long. It, it, not for long, but it showed he was willing to change until something went wrong that he thought he needed to take over the reins again. Okay, so those are the nuggets that uh, Philip Marshall uh, came up with today. Now, about Saturday's game, you know, uh, before we go to that, uh, I want to let you know, uh, and Brooks, you're welcome to join me, okay, because I know you're from the sake of the woods. All right. I am considering uh, to go on Baldwin, uh, Baldwin County's Auburn Club website, uh, Facebook page, and let them know that I'm going to be starting a recovery group for all the fans <laughs> in my area. And, you know, we'll just go around like an AA meeting and say, hey, uh, I'm retired war damn Steve. And then nobody will say, hey, welcome, uh, retired war damn Steve. And we'll go around the room. So you're welcome. Okay, I'll let you know, you know, how that gets going. All, all right. right? So let, let us know the meeting times. All right, I will. They won't last long. <laughs> uh, okay, so this comes from Mark Murphy, guys, about uh, the upcoming game in our season. He says, Auburn struggles this season cannot be attributed to an inexperienced team. The Tigers have 46 players on the roster with college starting experience with 25 on offense and 21 on defense. 11 of those players have started more than 20 times. So apparently, uh, from uh, you know, his, his sense, uh, Mark Murphy says, it, 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 we, can't, we can't fault this on inexperience. Because I've been wondering, how do you explain this kind of performance? Yeah, I mean, you've got the. I think the biggest question marks with experience going into this year was in you know uh, there was only certain position groups because you looked at some several position groups on this uh, the this roster and you said they're good, they're good, they're good. And I think the you know there was only like two or three position groups that you said well there's not a lot of experience there. And we don't have a lot of depth. I think that's a major factor for our defense. Yeah, that's that's by far the biggest issue defensively. Is you, you've got maybe five guys on the defensive line that play regular snaps, and you need about ten. And he goes on to say, I'm talking about Mark Murphy, that the 2022 freshman signee class have not really had much of an impact at all this season. And he goes down the list. Okay, uh, so about this week's game, uh, only one of the pickers from Auburn 247 Sports even give us a chance of winning, and that's Philip Marshall. His score is 26-24. Uh, Jason Caldwell, Mark Murphy, uh, Nathan King, they all have us uh, losing. And primarily because of the offensive, I guess, uh, explosiveness, uh, I guess, in uh, experience by their quarterback 
and also by uh, Rocket Sanders, right? Yeah. Uh, I almost have uh, right now a cringing sensation that Mr. Sanders might become the next Fred Towley. Yeah, I, he's, he's pretty good, and Auburn struggle. Listen, I saw this stat earlier. Arkansas runs the runs the ball more than anybody that is not a triple option service academy. So, exactly. So they they are going to run the ball a ton, and if Auburn can't stop it, it's going to be a long day. Now the only the only legitimate and reasonable uh, chance that we have of actually winning this game is their defense sucks when yeah. it comes to pass, passing. So if we can exploit that. But then again, we've got a quarterback that's prone to fumbling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's you know, it, it's one of those things where you looked at it pre, uh, throughout the year. You say, okay, maybe Auburn, if if the wide receivers can come along a little bit, they they've got a chance to exploit this Arkansas defense. And uh, the the wide receivers have come on a little bit, but it's not to the point where you you feel really good about it. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess to add uh, you know more salt to the wound here. I didn't know this until uh, Bill Marshall brings up in one of his columns today. There have been six seasons in Auburn football history in which uh, Auburn football teams during uh, this time of the season when they've had played seven games, when they've gone three and four or worse, they've all had losing records. None of them turned around. Yeah, it's not a good trend. So... I uh, just bring that up to you because I heard, you know, uh, your uh, guest host uh, there about uh, his comments, and I, I can't even believe he said that we're more likely to turn around. I say that because today there was a roundtable podcast on Two Four Seven Sports, and Jason Caldwell said that next year he sees his team having a very, very down season. I thought you'll say maybe very, very optimistic, but he said very, very down season. I said, uh-oh. So we're going to apparently suffer through even more uh, Auburn football misery. Uh, you guys see it being that? I mean, Jason Caldwell, you know, he has some inside sources. I don't, I don't know what he's predicating that, except maybe I guess we've only got, what, 11 commits? You're you're going. You've got a lot of guys who are draft eligible that you're probably going to lose. You've got a lot of guys on this team that are that are seniors that are going to have to be gone. Their eligibility's done, and the fact is, you have not brought in a son of super great talent over the past couple of years. And that even goes back to the the end of the Malzahn era. He didn't recruit super well uh, at the end of it. Now, I will say that whoever they bring in, if if they are a transfer portal believer and they are able to get guys that the rebuild time was already short you you were given mostly two years now with the with the with the way the one-time transfer rules work the the time for rebuild has shortened dramatically so whatever happens uh with the new guy look auburn's roster as it stands right now is not going to be great next year but that does not mean you cannot go out and get guys that can immediately contribute and make it a much better make it a much better spot and i really want to commend something that ryan lavoie said yesterday on the program talking about the the harson era when he was i think it was in a conversation with ed who had called into the program talking about when harson takes over the job uh, auburn is really looking for an opportunity 
opportunity to retool as opposed to rebuild what they've currently got going on. But because things have gone south so quickly, this now does become a rebuild. rebuild. And the one way to uh, get it back open and back running quickly would be to utilize the transfer portal. And we'll have to see if Auburn's going to be able to do that. And at the risk of sounding really like a negative Nancy, I guess, you know, I I don't even know how many of our current commitments uh, will hold on to, guys. That's yeah. the, and that's a problem with any uh, co- with any coaching. If you if you do have a coaching change, that's a problem with you know because guys, not everybody commits to the school. A lot of people commit to the coach, and if that coach is no longer there, they look and go elsewhere uh, as their for their college careers. Okay, well, uh, on that bright note, uh, are you guys going to the game Saturday? I will be there. I think all three all of, of us will, us will be, be there. there. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm going to decide to do what my daughter did, who saw the movie with me today. I'm going to go ahead and just put my hands over my eyes each time uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, the offense for us goes on, you know, on the field to see, you know, is he going to fumble the ball? Is he going to throw an interception? Or what? What will happen? But uh, and then then I'm really going to hide, I guess, my eyes when I see the ball being handed off to. Uh, Rocket Sanders. Yeah. Uh, because he loves to run he on does. the edge, doesn't he? He does. He's really good. Had a good season. Okay, guys. Well, uh, we've sent you those Movie to... Mondays and the reviews from Ryan the Voice. We'll look forward to talking about those on tomorrow's show. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I have not been this, I guess, uh, just, 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 just despondent and pessimistic about all the football since 2012. And, and that team, you know, had a lot of players that were talented. They just had given up. I know these guys haven't given up, but I wonder with all these, you know, uh, people now, you know, leaving in, uh, in this week, if you know that has a uh, an impact of the team is going to pull itself together, or they're going to say this is just you know to heck with it and tank it. You guys have any sense how that may impact them? The the guys who are leaving the program are guys who weren't major contributors anyway. Um, I, I don't expect the, the team to look super different. I'm more worried about those guys for the future of the program than I am for the rest of this season. Fair enough. Hi, right, guys. I'm out of here. I do thank you for the therapy hour you gave me, or <laughs> half hour. Uh, it always helps me. And uh, until next time, you have a safe afternoon and evening, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. War Eagle, no matter what, guys. War Eagle. That's our good power. Target Ward Steve joining us here on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 I really like what Ryan said yesterday. Retool versus rebuild and trying to retool with Brian Harson. It didn't go well. The uh, the tools didn't work. They didn't well, that's, fit. That's and, the uh, weird now you thing build is it back up. The tools worked. The tools worked for the first eight games of the season. There was promise there. The was. offense was working. Bo Nix was looked the best that he has looked since he got on campus at Auburn. He had some issues with wide receivers dropping Damn, and stuff we like love that. Bo. I love but that. But I, I love Bo. I couldn't be more happy for him. But he's gone. So yeah, fat lot of good he does us right now. <laughs> um, but and then you know Bo got hurt and the defensive collapse against Mississippi State. Everything went wrong all at once, and it just hasn't been able to go right. But man, the first eight games last year just looked so good. Or, or six of the first eight, I guess, looked really good. Or actually, seven of the first eight, because that Penn State game was close. Right. It, Auburn didn't win, but that's a good Penn State team, and Auburn was close with them in one of the toughest environments in all of college football. And then everything just went wrong after Bo broke his ankle. I mean, and well, I mean, the defense had already collapsed before that. Still don't know what happened in that game. It's, it's, 
that Mississippi State game, I'm going to be thinking about that Mississippi State game from last year for a very long time. I still hate the Texas A&M loss from a year ago, too. Yeah, but A&M was just so much better than Auburn defense defense versus offense. Right. Brooksy, I mean, you look good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> he you always looked got good. a haircut the last weekend. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you, I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Ryan. It, last year, going into last year, it was a, it felt like it was just retool. You know, you can get a few guys in there. Malzahn did not leave the program in a bad spot. The, there's, you know, you can you could say, you know, the offensive line wasn't great, but he put together some good off, some not good, some decent offensive lines with transfer guys and stuff throughout the year that that worked with his offense. Uh, it was the recruiting side of things, the, the high school guys that it, it was always the he needs to recruit better, but. You know, it, it just like like Brant said, it just started to go. the The wheels started to fall off the train about halfway through last season, and they just never really got put back on. And we see where we sit now: a three and four record going into an Arkansas team that, you know, it's a it's a pivotal game for the rest of this Auburn football season, as Connor O'Gara said earlier. No doubt about that. That's for sure. All right, uh, we've reached the end of our number two here today. A lot more fun still to come here on Sports Call. Zach Blackerby, the host of the Locked On Auburn podcast, joins us at 5.15. We've got a nightly TV guide and more straight ahead here on Sports Call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger now? Communications app. Tiger 95. 95. Yeah, I didn't do so hot there. Uh, <laughs> look, it's a, it's a fun show so far. I'm JJ Jackson. I've got Brant Daughtry here with us. I've got Brooks Childress as well. Our intern, Drew Bahena, is getting the full experience. He's on the commands on the ones and twos right now for this final hour, uh, which is really exhilarating and exciting. If you want to call in and chat with us you can do so by dialing 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 zach blackerby the host of the locked on auburn podcast will be with us here coming up in about 10 minutes or so so a really fun and exciting show so far today guys a fun conversation with connor o'gara the saturday down south host joined us earlier in the program and we're just getting set for auburn and arkansas coming up on saturday the tiger.fm is our website it's a one-stop shop for all things tiger communications it lets you listen to all of our stations ahead of a busy friday night football night tomorrow night the final regular season night for ahsaa and also on the website we've got our opponent preview posted for the arkansas razorbacks you put that together each and every week brant and uh what do you want to point out from this opponent preview um 
Arkansas's offense is really good. They run the ball about 500 times a game. Um, and their defense is not so good, but they still have some really good players. Drew Sanders, he's a transfer from Alabama. He leads the SEC with six and a half sacks. I didn't write about him, but that is something people need to know. Um, but other than that, their pass defense is just not very good. They're giving up over 300 yards through the air uh, a game. So it, if Auburn wants to attack through the air, that's certainly justified. Um, their run defense is a little bit better. They've got one of the best linebackers in the country in Bumper Pool, a dude who I swear is like 27 years old at this point. Um, but yeah, their defense is uh, is not great, but it, it does some things well. Their offense is very one-dimensional, but that one thing that it does, it does very, very well. And it's the thing that Auburn has had trouble stopping this year. So Auburn's going to need to they're going to need to line up and play better run defense than they have played so far this season because if they don't, Arkansas is going to have a, a big time, a big, big game. Brooks, Arkansas, good football team. They run it a lot. Auburn's got to find a way to stop it because, uh, look, Ole Miss ran all over Auburn. As Connor O'Gara pointed out, three different players had 100-yard rushing performances against the Tigers two weeks ago. You know what? Uh, it's interesting, and I don't know if, if it's in the, the preview or not. You know, I was looking at uh, – we get the game notes every single week for football. Thank, thank you for not reading my work, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He'll get to it. I, I'm going to get to it. He's it's a, a nighttime it's a, reader. It's a Friday yeah. night read yeah. before the game, you know, right. your last-minute tune-up. But I was looking at it. Um, I was looking at this past week. You know, Arkansas – I'm looking at the Arkansas game notes. They've got a nice section. It's the last time Arkansas did blank. And, you know, it's like last time they had 500 yards rushing was 2007 versus South Carolina. I was looking at it, and, we, you know, we've talked about how run-heavy this team is um, for, for Arkansas. The last time they had 300-plus yards of passing was their last game. They threw the ball a lot against BYU. You had what? That uh, was a track meet. You that was a wild game. Ten-plus different receivers catch a pass – in that game for for Arkansas, that was the first time, uh, the last time that that happened for them. So, if you know Auburn is, uh, you know, they're a run heavy team. They we've we've talked about it all week. They uh, they are a team that. Uh, like like it has been said several times this week, uh, Brant, you pointed it out. I think Justin Ferguson also pointed it out earlier this week. They run the ball as much as any, or they they run the ball more. Than any team that's not ha, not government funded fully, <laughs> um, it's not not running the triple option. That's correct. Uh, but you know, and you look at this, but they've got the ability. I, I don't want to discount this because they've got the ability to air the ball out a little bit too. KJ Jefferson is a is a decent passer, and you've seen it as recently as their last game. You just go back and look at the BYU game, and it you know it it you look at BYU. They're not the same BYU team we've seen these past few years, but. They're still a team that is, you know, they've they've got talent there, and they're uh, Kalani Sataki is a really good coach uh, for BYU, and they they were pretty balanced on offense in that one. They, you know, they had what I'm trying to see what their uh, 200 over 250 yards of rushing in that game, and then as I said, they had over 300 yards of passing in that game. They were very they were balanced in that game. So you you know everybody you know focusing on the rushing because that's what Auburn is more susceptible to on defense but they can air the ball out too so if auburn is you know all week it's hey we got to stop the run it's got to stop the run got to stop the run they can pass it a little bit too they're, they they're not they don't have the the guys on offense on the passing side that are as good as their running backs but they can 
still move air the ball out a little bit. Yeah, look, KJ Jefferson's not a bad quarterback. He's very capable. Um, I you know BYU is not very good, like you said. I think that. I think that's more of a game plan thing. I think that's more of a game plan specific thing than it was. That I don't think they're going to try to do that against Auburn. Auburn's pass defense is a lot better than BYU's, uh, and their run defense is a lot worse. Um, and not saying that Arkansas can't pass the ball. Arkansas is not going to come in here and run the triple option. You know, they're not going to do that against Auburn. But uh, I, I do think that's what they're going to heavily focus on, especially given the way that Auburn struggled against it. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one. If you would like to call in and be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, JJ Jackson with Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. Before we get to Zach Blackerby, the host of the Locked On Auburn podcast, I want to remind you about our sports call player of the week. Sports calls player of the week. Let's get to it. Sports calls player of the week. Bo Nix is Sports Call's Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Nix led Oregon to its biggest win of the season against top 10 ranked UCLA last weekend in Eugene. Nix was 22 of 28 passing for 283 yards and five touchdowns while running eight times for 51 yards. Bo Nix was named the Walter Camp Football Association Offensive Player of the Week. On the season, Nix has now completed 71.5% of his passes. That percentage is 10 points higher than any of his three seasons playing at Auburn. Nix now has the sixth best Heisman Trophy odds, according to Vegas Insider. Bo Nix is Sports Call Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Yeah, he had a good day. Yeah, just, any, just anytime you can score five touchdowns, it's a, it's a good day at the office. He's playing good football. He is. God bless him. What a man. What a player. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's so in, it's it's not like he's become this completely different guy, right? He he always had this in him. I think um, it's just he's he's not playing against SEC defenses. Let's call that what it is. But he's also got talent around him that'll help him. I mean, there we talk about quarterback. It's the most important position on the field. But it can't. It, no no position in football can do it all themselves. You've got to have help. And right now, Bo has help in the way that he never had help at Auburn, and, it, and he's absolutely thriving. He is playing like the five star that we all thought he could. He's playing like he could have. Hold on. He's playing like we all thought he could have when he was a five-star in high school, and he's, you know, he's thriving at Oregon, and he seems to be having a lot of fun to not k- kill the meme, bring the meme back. But you know, he's he's playing well, man. He's focused. He's focused. He's having fun. He he's looks sixth in the so odds for Heisman in, in Kenny Dillingham's and Kenny Dillingham's version of Gus Malzahn's offense. I was about to say, you know, I want to I want to point out, you know, I, I pointed this out earlier this week. We talked about uh, Bo Nix a little bit earlier. That you know you you say you bring up the point he's not playing SEC defenses. Well, you know you're oh he's playing the Pac-12 defenses. You've had another quarterback, and I mentioned this earlier this week. You had another quarterback leave the SEC and go to the Pac-12, and has played the same you know the same defenses. Uh, that is the Florida quarterback Emory Jones yeah. went from Florida to Arizona State, and. They are playing the same defenses. Bo Nix had a phenomenal game against Stanford a couple weeks ago. They only beat Stanford beat them by a point last week. So you you've got direct comparison right now to those two. You know how an SEC quarterback fares in the Pac in the Pac twelve, Pac ten because they're losing uh, USC and UCLA. <laughs> but also, 
there was something that y- you brought up, and I've seen a couple people, you know, people pointing it out on Twitter and everything. It's like, oh, well, you know, he's in this, you know, this is a great offense for him. This is Gus Malzahn's offense with a little yeah. twist on it. It's it's Kenny it, Dillingham's version be, of Gus's offense because Kenny Dillingham was, you know, as you know, was an OC under Gus, but most importantly, he was under Mike Norvell, who was also under Gus at one point. This is uh, you trickle down the 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 coaching tree and you say, oh, well, he's not in Gus Malzahn's offense anymore. It is Gus Malzahn's offense, but with a little twist on it. And it's the twist that it's so desperately needed. That was my biggest issue with Gus. Um, he he needed, excuse me, Gus Malzahn needed to adapt that offense to evolve it, and he never did. Dillingham saw what went, what was going wrong in Gus's offense, saw what was going wrong in Mike Norvell's offense, and has used it. He is he has adjusted it a little bit, and there's an article on CBSSports.com that you can go read um, about the differences on it and, and the way that Bo enjoys playing in it. It gives him a lot more freedom as a quarterback. And it honestly just really couldn't be more happy for the kid. Bo Nix is our Sports Call Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Let's go ahead and head to our next commercial break. On the other side of this break, we're going to chat with Zach Blackerby, the host of the Locked On Auburn podcast. This is Sports Call Tiger ninety five point nine. FM. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure that you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn. You could find it on our Tiger Communications app. We want to make it as accessible as possible and we've been able to do that thanks to our good friends over at Coca-Cola. All right, as you know, my name is J.J. Jackson. Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress are gorgeous individuals, and they uh, they join me Heck on the program yeah. each and every day. Uh, certainly appreciate those guys being here with me. What we want to do right now is go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on another gorgeous individual. He goes by the name of Zach Blackerby. He is the host of the Locked on Auburn podcast, and he joins us here on the program. Happy Thursday to you, Zach. How are things? Man, uh, things are good. Earlier today, I was listening to the Sports Call podcast, enjoying an ice-cold Coca-Cola, so uh, I think that was very fitting. And I enjoyed some Bilt Bars earlier today while uh, listening to the Locked on (laughs) Auburn podcast. So uh, look at us, man. We're making big things happen. Uh, It's been a uh, not-so-quiet week around this Auburn football program, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Are, are there still guys on the roster? Uh, looking at message boards and Auburn Twitter, it, it kind of make you ask the question, is Auburn has 
you know, 11 guys that can try it out on offense. So weird, weird development. And look, we all kind of saw this coming to some extent, right? With, with the news of Zacchaeus Walker, that was kind of confirmed during Harson's bye week presser, right? And then after that, it's like, oh, we all realized that, you know, AJ Diamond wasn't, or AD Diamond wasn't on the roster anymore. It's like, okay, that's curious. And Landon King, obviously, probably the, the most notable name just because really the only time he was using the passing game, an incredible thing happened, and then they're like, cool, let's don't ever do that again. <laughs> and then same with Tavares Dawson, right? Start of the season, there were kind of rumblings that, uh, I mean, he did start the season and, you know, be a starting uh, starting kind of weapon in this offense. And then, you know, he hasn't played a snap since, since the LSU game. And, of course, we don't know the full story, right? Like maybe these guys, maybe it's attitude. I don't think it is. But, you know, maybe it's play in practice. I don't think it is. But um, weird. We can't blame the kids. And so the, the rumor, and I guess the report, depending on where you look, AuburnDaily.com broke it earlier in the week. But, you know, these kids want a red shirt because they're not playing. And so, you know, they want to keep their eligibility alive. And um, based on everything that I'm hearing and uh, kind of some of the stuff that Lindsey Crosby broke earlier this week at AuburnDaily.com, um, it, uh, it doesn't sound like Brian Harson wants the kids to come and request a red shirt. He says it's either you get out or uh, or, or you play. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that happens over the next few weeks. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. I, I want to start with something you mentioned there at the top when you look at what's going on uh, on Auburn Twitter to kind of get a breakdown of the news that's happening and that sort of thing. What do you hate the most about Auburn Twitter? <laughs> oh, man, I love Auburn Twitter. Oh, you I love Auburn Twitter. Okay. Oh, yeah, man. It, it takes up way too much of my time. <laughs> maybe that's what, that. Maybe that's what I hate. I could be doing way more productive things. But, no, I mean, I, I think uh, – <laughs> Obviously, I don't think you want to get your your news from Auburn Twitter. Sure, but but I think it's okay if you want to get your entertainment from Auburn Twitter, right? I mean, it's a way to get a pulse, the pulse of the fan base, or at least the vocal part of the fan base. I think it's an important part of what you guys do and what I do with the podcast. So, um, but yeah, no, definitely, um, definitely don't go into it thinking you're going to get anything out of it other than entertainment or, or I guess, anger. What? But, What's the um, yeah, uh, what's the biggest Twitter. difference between Auburn Twitter and the Auburn Discord uh, that you proudly have? I think my uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe my Discord is a little um, a little more tame, a little more um, pointed, uh, a little more uh, what we what do we call it? We call it booging. They boog a little bit harder, maybe a little bit more Auburn Homerism. Auburn Twitter is probably a little more toxic, but um, that's okay in small doses, I think. What do you think, Brant, as someone who takes in both? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Auburn Twitter is kind of... You get you get more wild. I think tame is a good word for it. You definitely get more wild takes yeah. on Twitter than you do in that Discord. I think the Discord is largely, like, largely aligned. Um, not 100%, but... I think the overall view is the same. I think on Twitter you you get a little bit of every side, and I don't think the uh, I don't think the locked on Auburn Discord gets gets as much of that variety, which is not always a bad thing. Brent, you've been in that thing for a while, right? You, yeah, you I. And there was like probably like two hundred or so members early. Yeah, on. it's I, really grown into something I can't really control anymore. <laughs> I used to have control over it, and now it's just I think we're almost up to like one and a half thousand people in there um and so like i can't really control it as much anymore it's been kind of wild to see what it's morphed into 
Yeah, I think I was one of the. I think I joined. I think I joined it like the day after you made it or something like that. And I've been just kind yeah. of steadily watching it grow. You're a loyal member of the Blackerby gang. I I love I love Locked On Auburn, man. <laughs> it's good. thirty minutes to start my day. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, so this Auburn team, they've got Arkansas, and in a weird yeah. way, Zach, it kind of feels like they have an opportunity to win this football game. Yeah, I, I've got uh, I've got Auburn covering, and I've got Auburn. Uh, I'm picking Auburn to win by three or four points. So I, I guess I should probably put some money on the money line too. But yeah, I, I think Auburn wins this game. I think. Some of it is banking on the fact that Arkansas is Arkansas. And, look, you can't tell an Arkansas person that. They just won't get it. But Auburn has owned this series, even when Arkansas has had the better team. And sometimes it's been some questionable calls. You know, maybe sometimes it's been Arkansas, like back in 14 in the season opener, Arkansas coaches getting stuck in an elevator at halftime. Weird series, you know, the Bo Nix backward spike controversy. I love all of it. But last year, guys, I mean, even last year, Auburn goes into Fayetteville. Arkansas is clearly the better team. And Auburn dominates probably their best game of the year last year for all 60 minutes. If you want to say Ole Miss, I'll give it to you. But I think just from, you know, all 60 minutes, first half, second half, I think Arkansas is probably um, the best team effort there. And it didn't look fluky at all. I think it's actually one of those games where you started to get some hope um, building up about what Brian Harsha was building. So I think – this year, coming into Jordan-Hare Stadium, I don't think K.J. Jefferson's a good passer, and I think their running game is very good. They run the football um, more than anybody in college football that's not a service academy, right? Like they, they love running the ball, and that's because K.J. Jefferson does what he does so well. And Auburn's defense has been kind of eh. Actually, we can say it's been kind of bad against the run. But I do think when they can focus on stopping the run – and disregard the threat of the past. And I think you just kind of leave, you know, DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, and these guys in the back end kind of on islands on the outside of the field. I think they're going to be able to key, uh, key in on the run a little bit more. So I like that. And on the other side of the ball, when Auburn has the football, Arkansas's defense is terrible. It is atrocious. They're good at pa- uh, rushing the passer, which I think every Auburn fan just kind of, you know, shuddered when I said that when they think about Robbie Ashford running for his life. But, you know, I, I think you just got to hope over the course of the bye week that they develop some things that fit Robbie Ashford's style of play a little bit more. And against Arkansas's defense, it's really, really bad. It's even worse than Ole Miss's defense that we saw Auburn have some success with um, before the bye week there. So I like the matchup, JJ. I really do. Zach, I want to go a little bit of something you brought up there. Is you you saw some improvements in this offense scheme against Ole Miss? Maybe that was a little bit of offense improvement. Maybe it was a little bit of the Ole Miss defense that we saw be victimized a couple times this year. Do you think that uh, with the bye week, that going into this, they can continue this trend of getting the offense a little bit better going under this one? I think so, right? And and, and Brooks, you look at the next few games. You've got. Obviously, Arkansas coming up in just a few days here. Their defense stinks. Mississippi State's defense has gotten kind of worse over the course of the season. I was kind of sticking my chest out a little bit and saying, hey, Mississippi State's a surprise team this year, not because of Mike Leach's air raid, but because their front seven's getting it done. They've kind of trailed off over the course of the year, so I think Auburn should be able to run the ball against them. We'll see. Texas A&M, we all at the start of the season, kind of like Auburn, their offense can't do anything, but their defense is good. Well, it seems like the dam is broke a little bit there, and there's a lot of frustration even more there than what's happening 
on the planes here. So I think Auburn should be able to move the ball on them. Western Kentucky, same. And then Alabama going into Tuscaloosa. I don't know how much of a shot you have in that. But absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I do think you can make the argument that we are banking too much on what we saw Tank Bigsby do against Ole Miss. Maybe we're caring too much about that. Um, maybe it was just kind of a one-off thing. But uh, I think there's a lot of reason to have some confidence and some success um, going forward. We'll see. The matchups are really good over the next four weeks. I believe the number is five. I want to say that Auburn right now as a team has five passing touchdowns on the season. They also have five games left in the season. Sticking with five, over or under five more passing touchdowns from Auburn throughout the rest of the year. I don't even know what to say here, Zach. This is an impossible question for me to ask you. I would say under. I would say That's under. That's so sad, and, man. But I, I, I say that, though, and the reason I hesitated is because I do think, and the question we just talked about a second ago, I do think the Auburn offense will continue to get better over the course of the season. Will it ever be good? I don't know. But I do think it would be better than what it has been. Very low bar, but still, I think you're taking a step in the right direction. But I think they do it on the ground. And so, even with Robbie Ashford, I think we all want to see Robbie Ashford run the ball more. And then I think we all want to see Tank and Jarquez and even Damari Austin get more touches on the ground. And let's be honest, guys. Do you want Robbie throwing it from the 10-yard line? (laughs) I I don't. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm saying. I, I don't think the offense is going to get worse. I just don't think they're going to score through the air. Is there a way to make the passing game more effective and more productive? I mean, you don't want Robbie to throw the ball in in these situations, but looking at the future of this school and of this football program, if Ashford is the answer going into next year, would you not want – I mean, there there needs to be a moment where you've got positive things to look back on. So how in the world do you make this passing game more effective? Uh, I think the scheme needs to change. I think you need to make things be quicker. Okay. And I and I think you need. I mean, it, it all comes down to protection in the passing game. JJ, we all know this, and obviously Auburn's offensive line has been bad. There's some hope, right, based on some of the changes they made up front against Ole Miss. Now the the depth chart that they gave us earlier in the week, it looks like they reverted those changes back. I'm hoping that was a misprint. We'll see. But I um. And they've got to change some stuff. And so, like, against Arkansas, I mean, do you want Robbie throwing it 30 times against Arkansas's pass rush unless it's just like he gets the snap and he you know, throws the ball behind the line of scrimmage just as essentially a, an extension of the run play? Um, I'm cool with that. But all in all, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions about um, this passing attack. And it's not all Robbie. It's not all the scheme. It's not all the offensive line. But when you combine it all together, it's just it's tough. It's really, really tough to watch. Auburn plays Arkansas on Saturday. Kickoff is set for 11 a.m. And you can listen to the game on FM Talk 93.9. We're chatting here with Zach Blackerby, the host of the Locked on Auburn podcast. Also a big-time Patriots fan, talking a lot about the quarterbacks. Brooks, as a fellow Patriots fan, will you tell Zach how you feel about this quarterback situation that's currently taking yeah. place in Boston? Tell uh, me. Painful. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I... I want uh, in my mind, I want whoever is going to give the Patriots a better chance to win. Wow! On, on, really? On on Monday night, I felt a little bad for Mac Jones getting pulled in that game, 
Sure. But but then when when Zappy came in and threw those and got you know two quick scores, I was like, all right, you know, I don't feel that bad for him. But then the the Bears defense kind of locked him down a little bit, and so you you kind of mm-hmm. saw the mm-hmm. the 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 uh, you know the the limits to his time. You know, he there were several times that he could have had a completion, but he's just not tall enough to get it over that some of those offensive <laughs> linemen. And so I overall, if you told me to pick a quarterback going forward, I'd probably take Bailey Zappi because wow. I just he, he just gives he it is I think someone described it earlier in the week as this the the I think it was actually our intern Drew described it that the the stadium kind of came alive when uh, Bailey Zappi ran out there on the field. Yeah, there's uh, there's some energy around Bailey Zappi. I was up in uh, Foxborough a few weeks ago when Bailey Zappi made the first start of his career against the Detroit Lions. When I bought those tickets, I did not think I'd be seeing the fourth round rookie <laughs> make a start. But uh, and I, nor would I think I, uh, I would be excited about it. But I certainly was. This, this fan base really likes them, right? And they're all chanting Zappi, Zappi when we're leaving the stadium, and then you heard it in the Monday Night Football broadcast, even when Mac Jones was in. I'm with you. I didn't like that. Um, I didn't like that they were doing that while he was there. I think some of this, and Brooks, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think some of this is we've seen this before as Patriots fans, right? Like we've seen the the first-round quarterback get pulled for a later-round draft pick, and, you know, he kind of found his way into being, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. (laughs) I kind of feel like we're forcing that narrative to happen again. Um, I like Bailey a lot. I've got a I've got a don't worry be zappy shirt in my mailbox <laughs> oh. right now if uh, if my notifications are correct so uh, I, I'm all for it I don't know if it's the right move long term but short term uh, I'm all about it but, I mean I think Mac Jones is physically the better quarterback but it's a weird thing Mac Jones is probably the better quarterback of the two. But the offense looks better when Zappy's on the field. Really, really interesting situation. My two takeaways is one, you know, if, if there's, I've seen a lot of people out there. Even I've seen some people put on Twitter a picture of Tom Brady, a young Tom Brady, and a young Bailey Zappy. They're like they kind of look the same, and I'm like, all right, let let's calm down a bit <laughs> when you start doing these comparisons. Two, the other takeaway I have from this is if the Patriots decide when the Patriots better not let Brian Hoyer be the second string quarterback when he comes back, because it's, it's gotta be Jones and Zappy right now. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think you can keep both. So I, I think, I think if Hoyer does come back, I think he's your reserve guy. I think this off season at some point you've got to trade Mac or you've got to trade Zappy. I don't think you can keep both in the current climate of things. So, you also need to get a, um, an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why we thought that was going to work. But um, <laughs> here we are. There here is are. not a person in America that loves a sports graphic t-shirt more than Zach Blackerby. This man just says, don't worry, be zappy is on its way. I know you have a return of the Mac shirt with Mac Jones. I want to say there was probably something for the Cam Newton Patriot days. Like, uh, I, I like that you're on this no, this hill, Zach. He's got the, uh, the, uh, the T-shirt. If I'm correct, I've seen the T-shirt where it's the Patriots logo, but instead of Pat the Cam's Patriot t- head, that's it's right. Cam's head. That's right. I've got that one, and I've also got the one where it's just like a silhouette of Cam doing the Superman thing, and like it's the Patriot jersey underneath. So, yeah, no, I've got multiple Cams, um, for sure, for sure. Got a, kid, a lot of Kendrick Bourne shirts because I'm weirdly obsessed with him. So, yeah, no, I've got I've got quite the uh, quite the arsenal of uh, of 
sports graphic tease, JJ. Thank you for calling me out on that. I, I'm sitting here thinking. I think the worst possible outcome is the, of all this is that the Falcons end up trading for Mac Jones. <laughs> that would that make me miserable. You don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. Um, Zach, before you get out of here, earlier we asked Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South for a controversial Halloween take uh, so that I'm he could... following f- up Connor O'Gara? Yeah, tough. Oh, God. Tough. Don't do that to me, JJ. What if are you, you doing here? I, I don't know. But his, his take was essentially that he doesn't believe in the full-size candy bars, uh, that people that say, oh, I went trick-or-treating and walked away with this full-size candy bar is just not something that actually happened uh if i'm getting the take correct so is there any halloween take that you would like to uh throw out there or or make mention of of any halloween plans you might have well he he didn't go to the right neighborhoods growing up yeah if that was the case um (laughs) you knew where to go i'm uh i'm not giving away candy this year if people come to my house i actually went and bought them today uh, if you come to my house, you will get a pack of Pokemon cards instead of candy. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, that's great. Uh, tell us a little bit about Locked on Auburn, Zach. How can people get plugged in and involved, man? Yeah, Locked on Auburn available wherever you get your podcast. Also on YouTube. If you don't know what those words mean, just Google Locked on Auburn. It'll come up. <laughs> also, all of our written work is available at AuburnDaily.com. Always appreciate it, Zach. Thanks for the time today. We'll talk again soon, okay? Sounds good, guys. Thanks. All right. That's Zach Blackerby joining us here on the program. Pokemon cards. I um I never collected Pokemon cards when I was a kid. I collected Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Um, and I have some that are like, they're probably worth a lot of money if I ever decide to sell them. But they're just, I like, giving kids like collectible cards, like collect, card collecting has become cool again. Yeah. Especially for stuff like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Like that's, that fell out of favor. That was popular in like the late 2000s fell out and now it's popular again and uh i really you know giving kids that as a halloween gift is pretty cool that's awesome (laughs) zach blackerby cool guy he is don't worry be zappy Man, that's pretty awesome. All yeah. right. Let's For a uh, guy who has like one career start and we're <laughs> <laughs> buying shirts. We're getting so excited. Two career Bruce starts. Is correcting us. Two starts. Sorry about it. All right. We're back to wrap up the show after this on Sports Call. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, Insider Studios. Our thanks again to Zach Blackerby the host of the Locked on Auburn podcast, auburndaily.com, for joining us a moment ago. Really fun and insightful conversation talking about Auburn, uh, the Twitter world, Auburn Discord, quarterbacks, Patriots, 
Halloween. Don't worry, be zappy. Don't worry, be zappy. Pokemon cards. I've never heard the don't worry, be zappy one before. It's pretty good. I've, I've heard the zappy hour. It's zappy hour at number, you know, number. it's four o'clock. It's zappy hour because he's four. Yeah. Number four. <laughs> That's good. I've heard, I've seen the zappy hour stuff. I'd never heard don't Return worry, be zappy. Return of the Mac. Is Return, a, I did that one. I gave that one to you on a, a Monday. That's right. Because I knew he was, I, it said it was starting. Right. Maybe it's not return. Well, he's going to start this weekend, apparently, against the Jets. Right. Unless he gets injured. Mac Jones can play a little bit. He can play. He is a good quarterback. Um, but there is... It's just, you know, as I said, and and like I said, Drew pointed it out on uh, on Tuesday when he came in. Smart guy. He said, you know, and, and you noticed it in the game. There was just energy was injected into Gillette Stadium on Monday night when Zappy ran out there after that uh, Mac Jones pick. And so... I don't know who it's going to be going forward. Uh, I don't know if you know they they know if, if they know what necessarily what's going to happen going forward. But we're here for it. It's 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 going to be a fun ride, and you know the Patriots are fourth in the division. Pokemon or Yu Gi Oh cards or neither. Uh, growing up or right now, both Yu Gi Oh. Yeah. Although, hold on, Yu Gi Oh. Growing up. If you told me right now, I'd probably go back to Yu Gi Oh. But I'd I'd have more of a strong draw toward Pokemon. I was neither, and I'm still neither. <laughs> I did I, play Pokemon Go with my friends a couple of summers ago because that was the craze to do. Was to I was download the app and wow, go catch you, them you all. You were late to the party, is yeah. what you're telling me. Yeah, I was all in on Yu-Gi-Oh when I was like, I was very same, sheltered. Same. I, I had the I had the the what the, you had the the, the like disc? the deck, yeah, the battle I, deck or yeah, whatever the, it is, whatever it was that you like the thing that like wrist. you wear, yeah, yeah, you wear it on your arm and it like flips out. Yeah, I that had thing that. was so cool. Did you really? I did. Got it for Christmas one year. Me and my brother both got them, and then we'd run around. That big of a Yu Gi Oh yeah. guy watched every Saturday morning on the CW Kids. Shout out! That, I don't there think was it's a on show. Anymore. Yeah, Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a show got, before it was a collector's game. Pikachu. That's Pokemon, right? Yeah. I know. I'm saying Pikachu and Charizard and yeah. Is there a Squirtle? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I know Pokemon yeah. names. It's more it, Yu Gi Oh names. I don't know names, anything. The names of the cards are not like because the cards aren't characters. They're just yeah. weapons. Even though yeah. they do have na- like Dark Magician. Right. Blue eyes, white dragon. That's true. So Red eyes, black dragon. Of Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, Yugi. Yeah. Um, the Pharaoh, who was like the Pharaoh. Yeah. He's like like. Uh, we'll have to talk about thing. this another day. What is it? Millennium. 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 Something. I don't. Remember. No. He's got, sure. he's got like pyramid. something. He's got like a pyramid, a pyramid that he wears around his neck, but it's called the Millennium something. Sure. And like Falcon. the spirit. No. <laughs> Brooks, we got 60 seconds. Let's do a TV guy. All right. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guy. On CW Kids, the Pokemon movie. <laughs> what well, you got, Brooks? Our uh, Nightly TV Guide sponsored by White Claw. Unfortunately, Yu-Gi-Oh! is not on tonight. They went off the air several years ago. So to fill your void there, 6 o'clock on FX, The Avengers, starring all of the Marvel characters because it's a phenomenal movie. Go watch it. Banger. Uh, also, 7 o'clock on Freeform. It is spooky season. We've been talking about Halloween. This isn't a Halloween movie per se, but Ghostbusters is on at 7 o'clock on Freeform. Go Banger. watch it. Shout out to Bill Murray. Uh, yes, shout out to Bill Murray. Uh, Get on the show, Bill. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on, Sports Call Bill Murray. He's going to be in the new um, Ant-Man movie coming out. Is in, he? Yes, Quantumania. Saw him on the trailer this week. College football is on right. That's your only sports on uh, national TV. Virginia Tech and NC State at 6.30 on ESPN. Uh, 6.30 on ESPN2. Louisiana and Southern Miss and some fun belt action. And then late tonight, FS1, 9 o'clock, Utah and Washington Saints Pac-12 action. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, number three, Alabama, 
versus Auburn, the Iron Bowl of Soccer, 7.30, the SEC Network, if you can't make it out to the Auburn Soccer Complex tonight. And that is a look at your Not the TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw. Thank you, Brooks. I love you, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Brant. I love you, man. I love you, too. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much to everyone that tuned in and called in. Thanks again to Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Thanks also to our good pal, Zach Blackerby, the host of the Locked on Auburn podcast. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, thank you so much for your support of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. For Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.